This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to the eighth episode of the Emerald Flow Show. We're a podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I'm Gerard Detroit here with Paul Vosch. And you can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show. And we're available on all podcast apps, recently added to Amazon uh, Music after a few uh, weeks where we have, we're having some issues getting on there, but we're on there now. And uh, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review there, and you can go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash donate to donate to the show if you are so inclined. Well, Paul, I think this is actually going to be our biggest episode ever. Um, so we're going to jump right into it. Otherwise, we are going to be here for seven hours. We might be here for seven hours anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we'll just start off. Uh, Paul, I know you didn't get a chance to see it, but I saw the All Japan, New Japan show. Uh, it is up on uh, New Japan World now, not up on All Japan TV for whatever reason. Uh, I will just say the main event of... Uh, Kento Miyahara and Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Jake Lee and Taichi in the 30-minute draw was uh, a lot of fun. I actually thought Taichi, in some ways, was the star of it because he was a, a great heel. Uh, Jake was fine. Uh, I won't say bad, but he sort of stuck out, I thought, as being uh, the weak link. Again, like his little strong, but he just wasn't as dynamic as the other three. Um, I really like the opener of uh, Ryo Inoue. Uh, versus uh, Kosei uh, Fujita. That was just a really great Young Lion um, match. And as we've been really high on Inoue uh, ever since he debuted, so check that out. And the other match I would recommend checking out is um, basically Yuma and Atsuki Aoyagi teaming with Tomoyaki Hanma and um, uh, Togi Makabe 
to take on the LIJ team of uh, Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, Hiromu Takahashi, and um, Bushi. Uh, like, Yuma's chemistry with Shingo and Naito is incredible. And, you, like, and then I guess we could talk about it because they'll be teaming up again or they'll be facing uh, Yuma will be facing off against Shingo and, and another tag match coming up which is really exciting so those are really the matches that I recommend checking out um, from that show um, last episode we went through basically the entire first half of the champion carnival I thought there's not much to say about the second half the second half was fine I mean there was nothing like truly bad on the tournament I think my lowest rated matches I didn't go below two and three quarters but there was like a lot of three a lot of three and a quarter but i would just say uh matches probably worth checking out uh jake versus t-hawk which was sort of the basically the a block final match i thought was good although it didn't quite hit like super high gear in part (laughs) due to jake and T-Hawk versus Irie, uh, Shigehiro Irie. I'll just warn you, that's a 30-minute draw. It's a little slow in the middle, but I thought they did some great work um, throughout most of the match. So if you do have the time, check it out, but I get it if you don't. But I just wanted to touch briefly on uh, the 30-minute draw on April 29th in Nagoya versus Kento uh, Miyahara versus Yuma Aoyagi. And I thought this match, uh, I'll, I'll just bit of a spoiler i didn't think it was quite as good as the finals but i thought this was a really great match that told a really good story yeah i agree uh, i mean maybe just real quick for me as well for jake versus t-hawk i thought that match had a lot of potential but i think what hurt it for me was that it already felt like a foregone conclusion that jake was going to win the block like i think that really is kind of what hurt a lot of kind of a block matches in the second half of the carnival because, yeah, we already talked about it on the last show where we both agreed that it's like, yeah, A block is definitely like Jake is going to win that one. And that just kind of really hurt the second half of the A block for me, where it was just like, okay, these are nice matches, but like none of them really matter because Jake's going to win the block. Uh, yeah, uh, otherwise, Tiok was eerie, as I said, that was really good. And then, yeah, Kendra was humor. That's the best match of, to me, that was the best match of the tournament besides the finals. So it was the best of the block matches. Uh, uh, I think they built that one really well, but they also, I think, what was crucial for that match is that they saved some stuff as well, because obviously they're gonna come back to Kento versus Yuma later. Like obviously they're gonna go back to it now that Yuma won the final, uh, and they also still saved that win uh, for Yuma over Kento as well. So I think that was really noticeable. Or notable, rather, as well, that Yuma did not beat Kento, or rather that it was just a draw. So we're moving on from uh, Kento versus Yuma until uh, the finals show itself. Uh, we'll just go quickly through the undercard here. Uh, first match was Tajiri and Kuma Arashi defeating Takawa Mori and Ryo Inoue in 6 minutes and 34 seconds when Arashi pinned Inoue with a, cr- a flying crossbody. I didn't think there was much to this match other than Inoue trying to go up against uh, Arashi was actually uh, the highlight of the match and I thought he did really well there going against a much larger opponent yeah uh, really for me yeah, it was mostly about kind of just looking at the continued development of Ryo anyway and yeah he, he's coming he's coming along very nicely uh, so yeah definitely another good sign from him 
And a match after that was Hokuto Amore and Yusuke Kodama defeating Izanagi in Black Mensa Ray in 7 minutes and 51 seconds when Omori pinned Izanagi with the um, uh, Muso Isen. A uh, little disappointing. I thought this would be a little better. It was just kind of there. And Omori cheated to win, which he hadn't done in a while. So I don't know what that means for like his future development. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really gotten that many teases about the total eclipse split. No, obviously that might have just been on hold because of the champion carnival and it might get picked up again now. Uh, I mean, given what happened later in the show, I'm kind of surprised that Kodama didn't get the pin in this match, but uh, I mean, it's minor complaint overall. Yeah. And uh, in the next match, uh, Hikaru Sato defeated Rising Hayato in 7 minutes and 7 seconds with a modified ground cobra twist. I thought this was a lot of fun and really good. I think ever since Hayato's uh, disappointing uh, junior title match in January against Sugi where he blew some spots, he's actually been working a lot harder and I think trying to get back in the good graces of management to give him another shot. And I thought this was great. Yeah, that's really what this felt like as well. And I do think it is a bit of a showing of faith as well that uh, they actually gave him a singles match here. Obviously, they didn't, didn't give him a title match right away, but I think it was kind of a nice showing by the booking team as well to give him a singles match on the Championship Carnival final show, which generally tends to be one of the bigger shows of the year for All Japan. And I think he accommodated himself nicely here. Uh, he did well. Sato looked great as always. So, yep, a good, fun, kind of sprinty match. And great finish, too, when Hayato went for a swanton bomb, and then when he, like, hit on the impact, Sato just caught him and, like, uh, moved into, like, the submission yeah. hold. And then after that, uh, Ryuki Honda defeated Yoshitatsu in 4 minutes and 52 seconds when he used a cutback cradle when Yoshitatsu went for the Yoshitatsu fantasy. Um I thought this was everything that it should have been. I mean, you can say that Honda should have beaten maybe Yoshitatsu definitively, but whatever. I mean, I think it's still, after getting zero points in the tournament, this is still like a, a sign that they've got plans for Honda. Yeah. Uh, I think anytime you enter the Tatsuverse, you're kind of lucky if you get out with a win. So I was actually kind of afraid that Yoshitatsu was actually going to beat Honda here. So I'm happy that they gave him a win, even if it was just a roll-up. Uh, I actually would have liked it if Honda had gotten a bit more offense in this match. I felt, because to me, Yoshitatsu kind of took the majority of the match, and I wasn't really a big fan of that. Uh, but in the end, I can't really complain uh, with the can't, can't really complain about the result here. I guess you could say that uh, Honda has escaped the black hole that leads into the Tatsuverse. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, I mean, barely. Yeah, look, I mean, he got a win over Yoshitatsu, uh, whereas Kazma did not. So I think that shows something <laughs> yeah. as well. And then after that, we had the strong hearts team of T-Hawk, Shigehiro Irie, and Issei Onitsuka defeating Kento Miyahara, Atsuki Aoyagi, and Takuya Nomura in 10 minutes and 59 seconds uh, when T-Hawk pinned uh, Aoyagi after the night ride. Oh, this was awesome. It was just like a sprint. Everyone was being a complete dick to each other. Onitsuka was slapping Miyahara and trying to get into his face. And then Takuya Nomura was slapping... Um, Kento too, and this is like a long-running thing. Whenever Kento like has to team with a um, 
uh, like an outsider of some stature. Because I remember there was one time when Kento teamed with Mara Fuji on a on a Atsushi Aoki memorial show, and they basically were like at each other's throats, even though they were on the same team. So it's like something that he does, and I thought this was just really great. And of course, it was a crazy sprint, uh, thanks to the Strong Hearts guys. Yeah, this this really was the uh, everybody hates Kento match. Uh, I thought it's, I was especially impressed with Onitsuka here. I've I've been liking the stuff that he's been doing and great as well, but I thought he was really great here. Just the way he was just constantly agonizing Kento throughout the entire match. Like it was just nonstop, just literally everything he did in this match was just designed to piss off Kento specifically. And Kento also gave it back to him as well, where he was just specifically targeting him as well. Like just beating him down on the outside and just really roughing him up. And yep, I think T-Hawk and Eerie did really well as well. And it was just, as he said, it was just really fun, strong hearts kind of sprint match that they just really excel at. And to me, this was easily the second best match on the show. And yeah, it was just a ton of fun. And I hope we get just a lot more of like strong hearts going forward in uh, in all Japan, because just every time they turn up in all Japan, they're great. Now, I have to ask you this a couple of things. T-Hawk mentioned maybe challenging for the Triple Crown. So that could be something. Yeah. And also because they've got a, another Oda Ward Jim show in June, and I really don't know who is going to be in that main event. I mean, do you want to connect those two points? Because I don't think that's going to be T Hawk. No, I, I do think, but you never know. I, I, I do. F- I just don't know. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I think T Hawk. I I could definitely see him get a triple crown shot. Uh, I would, but I would probably more make that like a Kurkan shot. I don't think. T-Hawk would be like a good challenger for Ota Ward, but I do think he would get it. I can easily see him get a triple crown shot, and I think that could be an amazing match as well, like regardless of who he's actually going to face in that match. Wouldn't really give him a high chance of winning it, but I think he would do really well. Whereas, who do I think would get the shot at Ota Ward? Well, for that one, I have one suggestion, uh, because that seems to be kind of the new norm in Japan. Uh, as we're going to talk about later, is just the New Japan dads coming into either promotions <laughs> and getting title shots. So I would not be surprised if the person that gets the title shot here, or the title shot at Oda Ward, rather, is going to be Yuji Nagata. Yep. He's also teaming with Suwama coming up. So, um, yeah, I, I, I thought about that too, but we can talk about that more in a minute. But my second point about T-Hawk is, how do you think T-Hawk feels given that uh, Shima and Al Lindemann are getting all of these uh, New Japan dates and he's uh, stuck in all Japan. I mean, he can't be happy. And I mean, again, we've made this point before as well, where he just kind of feels lost in the shuffle at the moment. And I think that's really showing it as well, where like Al Lindemann, like, he's the champion of the promotion and he's also the one getting the best of the Super Junior spot as well. All those kinds of challenges, whereas I would have my doubts that T-Hawk is going to be in the G1 this year. So, yeah, I don't think he's going to be super happy about it. Um, And, yeah, I think it might not be the worst idea for him to kind of, like, try and make his own way as well. Like, it definitely feels now that we have kind of a strong hearts A and a strong hearts B, and it 
feels like T-Hawk is in Strongheart's B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, well, without getting into all the thing, everything about great, it's entirely possible that Eerie beats El Lindemann in an upcoming great show for the G-Rex title. So Lindemann can go off into the best of the Super Juniors. And without the belt, and then Eerie comes out with even more belts. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah which which also means that he probably isn't dropping the gay or TV <laughs> title anytime soon if if he wins the G-Rex title. That's not something I'm really worried about because, I mean, he's been one of the best gay or TV tri- champions that we've had. So I would Absolutely. be all in favor of him getting even lengthier reign with the title. Like, I think he should probably, like, it, like if it's up to me, then I would, like, have him chase kind of the, the record in terms of, like, length of reign that... I think is still mm-hmm. held by Akiyama. I think so, but Yoshitatsu got up there. Yeah. I have to check. So, like, I would definitely be all in favor of that of him just kind of running through kind of the all, the entire like all Japan mid card, or every once in a while bringing someone from the outside to challenge for that belt as well. So, yeah, I'm all in favor of like Iria getting to hold getting to hold that belt for even longer than he already has. For sure. And in what was billed as a World Tag Team title skirmish, uh, the Twin Towers, Suji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato, along with Ren Ayabe of Just Tap Out, defeated Suwama, Shotaro Ashino, and Dan Tamer in 10 minutes and 28 seconds when Ishikawa pinned Ashino after a Fire Thunder driver. Remember how we were saying, very impressive, that Suji was putting over Irie twice in a row? Well, now Ishikawa's pinned Ashino twice <laughs> in a row. And they tease some dissension between uh, Suwama and Ashino um, during the match because, like, Ishikawa ducked out of uh, that sort of lariat-German suplex combo, and then Suwama hit Ashino, which led to the the pin. Uh, I think this is just something to juice up the the tag title match on in Sapporo on May 14th, and I certainly hope they're not breaking up Runaway Suplex n- now because... I think for Ashino, this is a longer-term uh, rebuilding project that having a long and dominant world tag title reign would uh, help. No, I also think this is just kind of a thing that they want to do to uh, give some more juice to that match. Because we've, I think we've already had a, a title challenge by Twin Towers. So not that yes, long ago. Yes, uh, Oda Ward in October, yeah. I believe. The show with the 60-minute draw between Kato yeah, and Jake. Yeah. So we've already had that match there. So I think this is just kind of like to give a new wrinkle to a title match that we've already seen, which I'm all in favor of. Like, I don't think it's time to break up Runaway Suplex yet because really what is Ashino going to do if they break up that team now? Like, I don't think they're going to, like, put him in the, in the hunt for the Triple Crown because I think they've already got enough challengers lined up for that belt for the next little while so I think it just makes more sense to just keep the team together give them like a really nice long dominant run and then you can break up the team get like a Suwama Ashino singles match out of that and then put Ashino back in the hunt for the triple crown after that but I wouldn't do that for like another couple of months so I think this is really just kind of a way to give some juice to the title match and nothing more yet um, I think one of the most glaring things in the company, at least to me, I think some people would say other things are more glaring to them, but there's a real lack of world tag team title challengers. Yeah. I think they really would benefit from kind of putting together uh, a couple more teams as well. 
because I think there's just a bunch of people well, on the roster that don't really do all that much, and I think it would be good to like just Ir- put them together. Iria and T Hawk would be good challenges, yeah, I think. That would be one, for example. I think that would be a, a great team you could put together. I think we've been talking for a while now about a potential Honda and Jake team, and I wonder if that maybe is the direction that they're going in now that Jake didn't win. Uh, spoilers: <laughs> Jake didn't win the carnival. So uh, I think that might be something. I mean, I could also maybe see them, like, I mean, put Yoshitatsu with someone and have him challenge for the belt. I think that was still the best stuff that he's done in All Japan was his team with Kento. Yeah, So I think that would be someone you could put in, like, a tag team. And you could, like, freshen that up as well and not have, like, runaway suplex run for, like, the same three challenges five times. Yeah. Okay, and the main event... Yuma Aoyagi defeated Jake Lee in 30 minutes and 24 seconds with The Fool. Yuma stops Jake from winning two champion carnivals in a row. The last person to do that was Minoru Suzuki in 2009-2010. And Yuma Aoyagi, also at 26 years old, becomes the youngest champion carnival winner ever, beating the record previously held by Jumbo Suruta, who was 29 years old when he won it in 1980. Uh, this match was incredible. I went four and a half stars. It's on my top ten match uh, matches of the year list so far. I know it's only May, but it's up there. And I would say that this was the best singles match um, that All Japan has had s- since the pandemic started, actually. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think this was a really tremendous effort. I also went four and a half stars on it, and it's also on my kind of match of the year candidate list uh, for now be curious where that actually finishes up but I thought this was tremendous as I said this is the best match that all Japan has had since kind of since the pandemic really kind of took hold in Japan and it's gonna take a lot kind of to have a better match in all Japan this year there's definitely like a couple more like potential things that are coming up there that have the chance of challenging it but they're gonna have to have like really good efforts uh, to challenge this one. I thought this was really kind of worked to perfection. It was also booked to perfection. It played to either men's strength as well, which is always great. Uh, I think I was really impressed. Like I was going in, I was very confident that Yuma was going to deliver. Uh, but I think Jake, I think also worked this match about as well as he could as well. I think he actually showed some fire in this match as well, which is rare for Jake. So, and I, that really helped it as well. And Yuma just did what he does best, which is he sold his ass off for Jake, where Jake just relentlessly just was beating up Yuma throughout most of the match. And Yuma just barely holding on and just really just taking everything Jake was throwing at him and never giving up. And then finally managing to get that fiery babyface comeback for the win. And like it was a very classic match structure, and I think it just worked to perfection. Yeah, I agree. I thought the last couple of minutes with the near falls that they pulled out were was incredible because they got the crowd making noise. So that's how you know it's a good match. And then they popped big for the, the finish because I think a lot of people expected Jake to win. I did. Um, my only nitpicks are first... I thought Yuma was on the ground too long when they were teasing the knockout before, like, the possum spot. That went on a little too long. And secondly, I just don't like people pulling up 
someone before the three count, even especially in a big match like this. It's fine if it's a squash match on the undercard, but that just sort of bothers me, you know, I guess, mm-hmm. to each their own. But those are the only real complaints I have yeah. about the match. But to be fair, I would have had more of an issue if Drake would have just won after that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure, definitely. But, I mean, on the other hand, also, yeah. like, because I actually really kind of forgot about that sport, to be honest. But, like, uh, for example, because I think what also made me forget about it is also the fact that Yuma also got to kick out of the out of the knee, out of the giant killing knee. So I right. think because after that one, I was like, okay, is Jake actually going to win this? Because now they had Yuma kick out of the finisher. So is is, is that like kind of the spot that they gave him? Like it's like a, you you lose the final, but you get to kick out of the knee. So like it's okay. But then no, he kicked out of the finisher. Then he like dodged the second knee after that, and then he won the match. So like that was really like they put he got put up really strong in the finishing sequence. Yeah, definitely. And I just thought, and it's sort of interesting, like because the end game didn't play. I mean, he used it, but it didn't quite play quite the role I thought it was going to play in the in the match. Yeah, no, they, it, it, I never really had a feeling like a, I had a feeling that if Yuma was going to win, he was going to win by pin. Like I don't think he was going to tap out Jake. Uh, like I feel like that's I think that's something that's going to happen but it also feels like that's something that they might want to save for like a later match as well because now he's got the pin over it but he hasn't gotten the tap out win over him yet and I think that's like a nice way uh, like that's something I really like about kind of the arsenal that Yuma has where like he just has multiple ways where he can finish off people and I think it's always great if you have that because then you can have like one finish for like your first win and then you can save kind of the other finish kind of for like another big match as well uh, i think that's something really really cool and yeah that's probably one of my favorite things about yuma right now and after the match kento got in the ring because he was on commentary <laughs> did you see it when he because he was wearing his like uh, track jacket uh when he was on commentary but he was still in his um his ring gear because he had just finished the match. And then when he gets in the ring, he takes off the jacket. He's wearing the triple crown. I just thought that was a nice touch. I mean, to be fair, I kind of assume that Kento is wearing a triple crown everywhere he goes, just like underneath his, underneath his clothes. Cause that just seems to be like the kind of person that Kento is. Like he just goes to like the convenience store and he just has the triple crown under his coat. And so they also teased when Kento had his back turned briefly of Yuma uh, German suplexing him, uh, which calls back to uh, January 2020 when Yuma uh, suplexed uh, Kento, which, you know, was the original turn on Kento to set up their, the first time that Yuma ever challenged for the Triple Crown. Uh, so they're going to have a match in Sapporo on May 15th for the Triple Crown. And I think, I think Kento's retaining. I think so as well, but I'm not a hundred percent. Like I think it's the most likely Could thing they... that Kento retains here, and then Yuma, like he will win the triple crown eventually. But I don't think he's gonna win it, win it in Sapporo. Like I feel like they're saving that one for a bigger spot. Could they go sixty? No, because they just went to a draw and. Yuma just right. won the champion carnival. Like I think that's already a great achievement for him. As you said, like he's the youngest person ever to win the champion carnival. So I think it's fine for Kento to just beat him. Like it's like if there's it's if it's a more competitive match than the last match and 
you might get some really good like near falls out of it and everything. Like I think that's already good enough, and then Kento can just win the match normally. Now, because this match is happening in Sapporo, I'm generally of the opinion that I don't think the main event of the 50th anniversary show is Kento versus Yuma, but I don't think it's impossible. But I'm leading against that. That's what it's going to be. Now. Yeah, I mean, now I would now I would agree. Like previously, I definitely thought it was going to be Yuma. Now that is a bit of a quick turnaround to have Yuma challenge again. And if they have the Royal Road tournament for him to win both the Royal Road and the Champion Carnival in the same year, don't think anyone's ever done that. Um, so, but that then leaves up the question: Who is actually going to be the challenger for that show? They're not going to just do something stupid and have Suwama. They might. <laughs> I, I mean, it might also just be Jake Lee. Yeah, I thought about that too. But those are just. They better have an incredible undercard, or because it's going to be three thousand. Oh, it's people. going to be Yuji Nagata. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. okay. Actually, I mean, do we what quickly want to touch on Nagata now, or do we want to do that later? Sure. So, because what I'm wondering about, and this is purely based on what just happened with Kojima and Noah. Like, given that Nagata has kind of given this interview and said that he wants to, like, get a triple crown shot, which I would assume is going to lead to him, like, either getting... Like, we already know that he's going to work in all Japan. Um, like, do we think that this might be a, simil- uh, a situation that might be similar to the Kojima situation, or is this kind of more of a one-off situation, or could this be, like, a soft jump of Nagata to all Japan as well, where... New Japan is just uh, clearing I, out the dads to like make room on the card and they're just kind of going to other promotions that might take them. The reason why not with Nagata, I could see Kojima being a soft jump eventually in the new year, uh, especially, but there's a difference because uh, Cyberfight can uh, afford mm-hmm. Kojima. Um, and also Nagata is like the dojo guy in Japan, unless they're bringing Shibata in to do that. So I think he's just too val- valuable backstage in a way that Kojima isn't. Yeah, no, fair enough. I hadn't actually, I actually forgot about the fact that yeah, Nagata's running the dojo, whereas Kojima and, and and all those young guys were their their yeah, trainer, yeah. right? Like he's got like a whole shitload of students in that wrestling yeah, yeah. right now. So that's why I, that's why I don't think it's it's a clear out. And I mean, I don't know because it's interesting when that happens because they basically made Nakanishi retire, as far as I understand. Um, that wasn't necessarily his choice, one hundred percent. Even though he was in yeah. horrible shape, but still. And I'm kind of, and I expect them to force out Tenzon sooner rather than later too. Yeah, no, I mean definitely. But again, that's why I'm wondering if kind of Nagata. I mean, it might be that he's retaining but his role is different. position, but it's just going to like yeah. work more like stuff kind of outside of New Japan. And I mean, if he does that, and hopefully, like I hope he works more kind of shots in all Japan because I think he would be like a good addition to the roster as well. Right, but then why why doesn't he go with his best friend um, June and works in D- to DDT? Nagata and DDT? Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe he maybe he just wants to yeah. face Kento. I mean, I it know. might also just be him. Right? Yeah, him just yeah, as he said, like he wants to get a triple crown shot, and maybe he just kind of like bounces around like a bunch of like other promotions, like similarly to like someone like Minoru Suzuki is as well, with technically still like a new japan regular but also just does a bunch of stuff outside as well right and so um 
yeah, I mean, we have those um, Sapporo shows coming up. Uh, the announced cards so far. The first night is the All-Asia Tag Match, Hokuto Amora and Yusuke Kodama versus um, Tom, uh, Tomoya and Noriyuki Yoshida. They're both local Sapporo indie wrestlers. Then the World Tag Title Match, Suwama and Satoru Ashino versus Suji Ishikawa and Kohisado. And also Bruce Ise, if you remember him, he was a... Uh, trainee in 2004 2005 he was a lot of hype because he's a a large guy but he suffered um a shoulder injury and retired after i don't know six nine months six months or nine months or less than a year anyway and he's resurfaced recently on i believe it just tap out shows so he's going to be a three-way match with izanagi and black menso ray and on uh may 15th uh Brudese is working that show again. Um, we've got the junior title match, Hikaru Saito versus Yusuke Kodama. It's interesting that, you, that Kodama is, is has a title match on both days. They don't necessarily always do that. The last time I can think of is was the time that Aoyagi did that in um, 2021 with the world tag title and then facing um, Suwama the next day. Then, of course, uh, the main event of Kento Miyahara versus Yuma Aoyagi. Oh, I forgot to mention... Um, Jake sitting in the corner when Yuma was talking to him after the match, he had like he looked like he was really sad, like not like I'm a heel that just lost, but like I'm a sad boy. So, do you think we're gonna get like a Jake face turn or something, or this is just I I, I don't know, but but I would assume it's gonna happen by the Oda Ward show in June. We we'll probably yeah. know. I mean, in theory, you could I... turn someone in their hometown. Oh, that's very true too. But I don't really expect it to happen. But definitely, is curious to see uh, what I actually think about these like separate shows. Do you think we're going to see any title changes? Because I'm just looking at them and I'm like, no, that I don't think we're going to see like any title changes on either of these shows. The only title change I could possibly see is the junior title, just because they change the junior title all yeah, the time. I could see that one happening. And also just the way like Hikaru Sato like reacted as well when Kodama came out to challenge him, because like, he just seemed yeah. to be like completely like just afraid of him, which was kind of curious. Like, not really sure why he's so afraid of Yusuke Kodama, but I mean, more power to you. Um, yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, I'm not opposed to like a Kodama title reign, but like the other ones, yeah. I, can't really see that happening like especially that all asia title match just like that one just really feels like a foregone conclusion and that that might be the only one where i'm like kodama isn't winning because like i don't think because they very rarely make like a dual champion of like have like the same guy be like the all asia like tech title champ as well as the junior champ right well the only way i could see it working is if they use that as a catalyst for kodama and Omori to sort of like have tension between each other because then you know when Omori want the you know the junior title for himself type thing and then they can just have well they're not going to drop the all Asia titles to a couple of uh, indie guys from Sapporo or Hokkaido but though they could the the month after that right and I, I could see sort of like you know they lose the all Asia tag titles in June and then Omori gets pissed and challenges for the title yeah, I could potentially see that. That actually would be a lot of fun. Um, good, but yeah, otherwise, don't really foresee anything major happening. Like with Brute Ise, I'm I'm really curious to see what he looks like now. 
Um, I would assume that this is just like because he's from Hokkaido. That's why he's working these shows. I don't think he's going to be like returning regularly. Yeah. But I am yeah. very curious to see like what he looks like now, especially since he's like in the first match, he's in there with like two juniors. Well, is Black Mansoury Junior? Well, yeah, he is. Yeah. So, yeah. like, because he's just going to be that much bigger than those two, and I, I think he, I, I'm fairly certain he's probably going to get the win in that match as well. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that was announced for the June 12th Cork and Hall show is a six-man tournament, and the teams are Hikaru Sato, Dan Tamara, and Ryo Inoue. Takao Mori, Arata from Just Tap Out, and ATM, who he's not listed as an ex, so I think he's someone under a mask. Uh, I don't know how that will go because Devil Murasaki uh, didn't go so well uh, last time, although at least he's disappeared. And then we have a strong hearts team of T-Hawk, Shigehiro Irie, and Issei Onetsuka, and Takuya Nomura, Fuminori Abe, and Kosuke Sato. Yeah, I think there's some decent teams in there. I think it should at least be like a nice mix-up as well. I think it's a nice way of like kind of juicing up the cards as well. So at the yeah. very least, like it's something fun to do for like the next little while. So don't really have any problems with that. Yeah, for ATM, yeah, I'm curious what that's going to be. I hope it isn't just like a guy dressed up as a gigantic ATM. <laughs> but I also can't rule it out because it's Japan. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but there could be some potential for good matches. And then also um, they announced uh, some stuff for the Jumbo Saruta 23rd anniversary show. Uh, I think that's where Nagata's teaming with Suwama against Taichi and Taka Michinoku. Again, I think as we mentioned, I wonder who <laughs> takes the pin in that one. Uh, Shingo Takagi is X in the match against Yuma and Atsuki Oyaki is T-Hawk. Yeah, that should, um, that should actually rule. Like, I'm really curious to like see that one. Uh, Minoru Tanaka versus Ryo Inoue. Yeah, that should be a ton of fun. That's that's a good learning kind of opportunity for Inoue as well. Uh, Kim Duck, aka Tiger Chung Lee, if you watch WWF eight nineteen eighty shows where he was a jobber, he's having his retirement match where he's teaming with um, Tatsumi Fushinami and Yoshiaki Yatsu against Shiro Koshinaka, Masanobu Fuchi, and Masao Inoue. Um, there's a street fight, tornado bunkhouse hardcore match that just sounds grimy, and God knows what it'll be. It's great, Kojika at Sushi. Onida, Raijin Yaguchi, Yuko Miyamoto, and Asami Kodaka versus Hikaru Sato, Mitsuya Nagai, Yoshitatsu, Akira Raijin, and X. It's also that one I'm really, because it looks super grimy, but out of everything on the card, that one is the one that is billed as the Jumbo Tsuruda 23rd Anniversary Memorial Special like match. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, of course. What better way to honor the memory of Jumbo Tsuruda than with a Street Fight Tornado Bunkhouse Hardcore match, the match most associated with Jumbo Tsuruda? What? I don't know. I, I, all I'll say is, I don't know, Paul, if you saw the WrestleCon Super Show on WrestleMania weekend. No. Okay, so there was a... Ten, there, did you hear about that 10-man yeah. tag with Onita? 
So I can assure you that th that this match will at least be better than <laughs> <Okay>. that. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like, like <laughs> damning with faint praise. <laughs> well, because you, you got Miyamoto and Kodaka yeah. on one side and you got Sato on the other and who knows who X is. I mean, so it simply can't be worse than that match. What if X is Matt Tremont? <laughs> well, then we have, then yeah, it could be that we could challenge to, to be that bad. Um, and then the main event, it's being built as a six-man tag of past Triple Crown champions, Kento Miyahara, Minoru Suzuki, and Jun Akiyama versus Jake Lee, Takao Omori, and X. So many Xs. Paul, do you have any theories on who? Do you have any theories on who X is? Because I have is one. It, <laughs> is it Kojima? <laughs> uh, no, but it wouldn't oh, surprise me. If, oh, is it Muto? I, oh, I was going to say great, the Great Muda. Ah, uh, Great Muda. Well, was Muda ever triple crown champion? Yes, because because when um, when Muda won the IWGP title yeah. in 2008, he was also during that time the triple crown champion as the Great Muda. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so yeah, I could definitely see that because Muda is also the only one that got a that got a visa for the US and not Muto, so I could see him definitely come back more as Muta now. Oh, and sorry, uh, he was also um, uh, he was also triple crown champion as the Great Muta in 2002 after Kawada had to vacate it because of his injury, and that was because he was the Great Muta when Hashimoto won the triple crown. Okay, yeah, no, I I could definitely see him be X then. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But okay, so here's my theory. So this show is put on by the NPH, which is the Nippon Pro Res Hall of Fame, and the people running it is uh, Kohei Wada and um, Tiger Kihara, the the old ring announcer for All Japan, and it's also being funded by some relatives of Matoko Baba. And so that's how they're getting like Stan Hansen, Tenru, Kabuki, Kawada, Tao, and Kobashi to appear on the show, but. One person that has also appeared on these other shows that have been promoted by this group uh, is Taiokea, because he was on the the Jumbo, uh, the, sorry, the Giant Baba Memorial Show they did a couple years back, and he was on the Destroyer Memorial Show that they did a couple years back. So I just think that's a very realistic possibility, because you know he's done shows for them before. Um, I you know so that's my sort of guess and. A dark horse, I think, is Joe Doring, but I somehow that, that would that. be really cool. Yeah, I also have my doubts about that because I'm not sure if Doring is really still up for like flying to Japan just to appear on this like one show. So I have yeah. my doubts about that. And again, like Muta, Muta, I think makes a ton of sense to make like a surprise appearance since Muto is like just returning from injury, like a little before this as well. It's just interesting that there's no other Noah guys, and the only cyber fight person is Akiyama, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. Just looking over the card real quick. Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why I was like a little like, well, is it going to be Muto? So, it, anyway, it's a real X, I suppose. Uh, I guess in closing, uh, I guess um, I will just say I think the 986 attendance was really good, all things considered. I mean. I mean, uh, All Japan outdrew uh, DDT's show at the um, uh, Yokohama Budokan, which only got like yeah, eight they nearly something. Did, like they only sold like a hundred tickets more than Freedoms did. So yeah, in the same building. And Freedoms didn't. Yeah, Freedoms didn't get um, that well either. 
I don't know. I just think there's a little bit of doom and gloom on All Japan. Now, I don't want to go into this, like, some of these Noah diehards mode or anything like that. But I think uh, the All Japan attendance in Tokyo is um, not... Well, there's weaknesses. I could go on about the company, but I think it's more about the weaknesses of Tokyo and all smaller promotions than specifically All Japan. Because generally, when called upon, they actually still manage to draw decent houses. Thank, well, thanks to Kento, which is a problem of its own of the structure of the company for sure. But like some of those Korokin attendances during the Champion Carnival were not great, and some of their lowest. But I mean, they would run the the Corican Hall like three times during the carnivals in 28 and 2019 and all of those non-finals Corican's that they held they ran during um, the champion carnival would draw like 900 or 800 people so I don't know I just thought that was you know an interesting thing that all Japan's crisis is I think more so the crisis of Japanese wrestling in Tokyo because uh, Noah's stuff has not been great either especially in Corican Hall and I guess on uh, the last things that's sort of connected to All Japan, Naoya Nomura uh, has popped up in Ganbari Pro. He appeared on their um, Korokin Hall show, and he's teaming with um, uh, Mizuki Watase, who uh, formerly of Junretsu. So obviously there's the Jun um, connection, and I'm sort of interested about why Ganbari of all places. Now, originally I was like, Nomura, go to Noah. I'm okay with that right now, actually. But... Do you think that this is a test to see if Nomura's health can hold up? I mean, I would guess so. I mean, he's been wrestling now for like a couple of months and don't really see any kind of... I haven't really heard anything about like him holding back noticeably or anything like that, which is obviously hard to estimate since he's working like such low-level shows. Well, how many capture shows has he even worked? Because I don't even think they're on cage match. That also makes it hard to like really gauge it as well uh yeah i could maybe see them see this be like a try run for him to go into like ddt i guess because yeah noah maybe but if anything gunbury is more associated with ddt than noah like that yeah the cyber fight adjacent like they used to be just an offshoot promotion of ddt but they did kind of become independent like they're not actually part of cyber fight like not i thought no no no. i think you think oh of yeah sorry yeah, I am actually. <laughs> no, yeah, so yeah, in this case, yeah, Ganbare is more like, it is kind of a cyber fight promotion, and yeah, it is weird that he kind of turns up on the lowest of them. Uh, but I mean, if he can hold up and everything, like, he has to, like, kind of move up to, like, one of the, like, two big proper uh, cyber fight promotions, because you can't just have him work just in Ganbare. Well, I don't want to offend any Gunbari fans because I know they're a dedicated bunch and it is a fun promotion, but it just, you know, Naoya Nomura is, could be a main eventer in a bigger promotion yeah, is all like I'm saying. He could, like he could With be, all due respect, like, Gunbari would fans. be a main eventer in either, like he could be a main eventer in either DDT or Noah. Well, he's not going to be a main eventer in Noah anytime soon. I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, we don't know about a shoot. Right. Like maybe that's why he went to Catcher to get his shoot credentials. So <laughs> the shooters respect him, so then I could see him go to Noah. <laughs> that's very true. I never thought of that. Actually, that's funny. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think. Uh, did you have any sort of closing thoughts about the carnival in general? I Paul? think this was a really good carnival overall. Yeah, I mean, wasn't really super impressed with the second half of it, but I think they kind of nailed the ending of it which is always important because that's really what people are going to remember. 
Uh, I think it was a success overall. Uh, Attendance-wise, could have been better, but you've kind of touched on that already. I think the num normally would you have to be worried if the final draws less than a thousand people in Corican? Yes, but also right. given the way, like if you just look at attendances for midweek Corricans for any promotions, then actually 983 is actually a really good number, even if it is. Yeah, yeah. they're stronger. They're stronger than most, except for like Noah when they go into like Sumo Hogs yeah. we'll talk about. So uh, I think this was a decent number. And I think it's definitely something they can build on from here. And I think they made the right decision on having on giving it to Yuma. I think this really establishes Yuma now properly. Like we all, everyone knew that he was going to be a main eventer, but I think now it's just kind of a sure thing that he is going to be one. Uh, he's going to massively benefit from this win. Uh, would have would have been a nice thing for Jake to win it back to back. But I think it is a better idea to give Yuma that win now. Uh, maybe not have him win the Triple Crown right away, but just show fans that like, hey, this guy is going to be a guy. He's going to be a future Triple Crown champion. And to get have fans get even more behind him now. So I think overall, this was a success for all Japan. And they established some stuff that they can build on for the future. Yeah, I agree more or less. Uh, it was a good tournament. There was nothing truly bad just maybe average uh it was the sort of the floor of the tournament uh and you, you know they're playing with small like i think they had what 18 wrestlers in 2019 so it's just smaller blocks they can't bring in as many people so you just get you know i'm happy with the, the three star average really if and as long as you pull off a a strong final so we before we get into pro wrestling noah we just have a word from our sponsor HelloFresh. So what is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh has fit and wholesome recipes for satisfying and nutritious meals that you can feel good about with six recipes per week to choose from, including low-calorie and carb-conscious choices. You can customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello Custom offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another, upgrading to a more uh, luxe experience, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you. Um, I'm not a super picky eater, but sometimes I do like to mix things up, and that's really handy to have. Um, you know, I mean, I'm be admit there's probably like vegetarian dishes that I'll go and I'll just say, I'll throw a chicken breast on this. So <laughs> that's something that you can do with that. That's definitely something that I've done before. So I think it would be super helpful to have something like that. Paul, do you ever just throw chicken on something randomly? Uh, yeah, uh, sometimes. To be fair, I've actually been trying to eat a little less meat as well. So uh, I probably actually right now I probably would well, then, actually do the opposite where like I take off the chicken breast and throw on uh, some tofu instead. Uh, yeah, you exactly. Too, but exactly. like it's not like I've stopped eating meat completely. So I've definitely every once in a while I look at like a dish at a restaurant and be like, I could take the vegetarian option here, but also I just really want some breaded chicken. So yeah, I can definitely feel that instinct to just mix it up and it's, it's a really good option that like HelloFresh allows you to just mix it up. 
So you can go to hellofresh.com slash VOW16 and use the code VOW16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Remember that's hellofresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 to up for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Now on to quite possibly the most controversial wrestling promotion in Japan. That's right, it's Pro Wrestling Noah. I also have a feeling that regardless of and what so, our takes are going to be on these shows, someone is going to hate us. Uh, probably. <laughs> that seems to be... Uh, I don't even think we're going to be as uh, 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 rough as some people are. Although I've heard some people who certainly are no fans of things going on in Noah who have liked stuff on the shows. And I'll just say that I thought yeah. both shows were good. But we can also get into why both shows had issues. So we go start with Noah Majestic and Innovation at uh, Ryoguku uh, Kukigigon. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. It's not as badly as Mayu Iwatani does it. Um, so that they had um, 1,585 fans. I guess that's I not would, bad. For the junior show, I would call it a success. Like to, because to me, kind right. of given the cut that they put on, like this was like the floor of what I would say Noah can draw in Sumo Hall. And I think that's a good floor to have. Like, I think 1,500 fans, if you can draw that with, like, given that there's pretty much, like, no draws that were on the shows at all, and given that the juniors normally run, like, Yokohama Radiant Hall, I think this is a big success. Because to me, like, I would have considered anything under 1,200 fans to be, like, a failure. So I think them drawing 1,500 fans is a good sign. And it actually it definitely raised my expectations for what they could draw on the second night as well. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E330. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 seven customer support. And you'll love this. None of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a smart lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys and the two way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock 
or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, eufyofficial.com slash video lock. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Yep, for sure. So your opening match was Ikuto Hidaka defeating Kai Fujimura in 6 minutes and 37 seconds with a Sean capture. Uh, you know, this was good. I mean, Hidaka is great. I've loved him. Uh, actually, I first saw him in ECW of all places. And uh, Fujimura is really solid, and I think he's going to turn out to be mm-hmm. a great junior. Yeah. Solid match. Uh, I just ever wish that Hidaka would just like get a couple more big matches than he does because he can just still go like he's still one of the best juniors in the promotion uh but yeah this was a fun opening match and next up uh slex comma the business defeated yasutaku yano in eight minutes and 37 seconds with the business bomb um I thought this was a lot of fun. Slex looked great. He seemed to get himself over with the crowd with his sort of posing and his like gimmick with the sunglasses. Um, Yano is great. I really, really, really love him and he's growing on me really fast. I think he could be a top guy in the junior division someday. And so, yeah, this did what exactly it needed to do. And I thought Slex was great. And I hope they have. Yeah, I hope so as well. Still kind of baffled to see that they classify him as a junior, like a just got that much more blatant actually seeing him in, in the ring in there. It's like he just towers over Yano, who, to be fair, is one of the smaller guys on the roster. But still, like, it's just so much that, like, yeah, hey, this guy is a junior. I'm like, he's really not. <laughs> he really shouldn't be. But, I mean, I hope they move him up to heavyweight after a while because... Maybe they give him just a quick run in the junior division, but like he's just so he was just so much bigger than Yano. He's not that like I think he's like five ten, maybe five nine. So depending on who he's in there against, but I mean he looks like a heavyweight yep. in Noah. New no. Japan would be another story, or all Japan, but in Noah he's definitely can get away with being a heavyweight. Yeah, for given. Sure. Uh, like the size and weight and everything of like some of the other heavyweights in the promotion, like he slots right into that. Yeah. Next match, uh, inexplicably, uh, Kataro Suzuki versus Yuya Susumu went to a time limit draw in 20 minutes. I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but uh, recently Yuya Susumu also left Freedoms and has joined Noah full time. Uh, can put him on the graphic. Uh, I don't know. This is can't not... draw, but can't politic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure, absolutely, He's because he's politics his way into this company. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not the worst thing I ever saw, but it was just dumb to make it go 20-minute draw. It was dry match. Um, yeah. I've, I was also kind of baffled by the fact that this was, like, yet another time limit draw between these two. I'm not sure why Kotaro Suzuki can't just beat Yuya Susumu, or if you actually want to do something with Susumu, why he can't just beat... Suzuki, like YDs just have to keep going to like time limit draws and they're also like <laughs> the time limit draws also keep getting longer as well, like if this keeps get keeps going, like are we gonna get eventually get like a 60 minute draw between these two that, I don't, I can't even imagine what that match would look like uh, <laughs> I was kind of afraid that this match would be bad if it goes long and it wasn't bad, like to be fair 
I think they also made the right decision to like just have Suzuki be on offense for the majority of this match and just have Susumu sell. I think that was kind of the best decision to make for the structure of this match. And that really helped it as well because Suzuki is just has such amazing looking offense. Uh, yeah, otherwise I'm just kind of baffled by the decision to have this, like... I mean, it was, like, the second... Like, it was the third longest match on the show. Not sure why this had to be a time limit draw. It just... Yeah, as I said, I'm just baffled by that. But it wasn't bad, so I guess it's fine. I just thought it was a yeah. dry match, like not offensive or anything, but just I don't want to spend 20 minutes Yeah, no, I, I was just like after like a while, I was like, why is this still going? And then they like kept announcing that it was going to be a draw. And I'm just like, they going to do another draw. And then they did another draw. And I was just, okay. I was just, okay, let's just move on to the next match was like my thought when this match finished. I was just like kind of baffled. So the next match, a uh, six-man team from Paris Del Mal de Japon, Nosawa Tejano Jr., who is even <laughs> bigger than Slex is, <laughs> and super crazy, defeated uh, Kongo Tadasuke Hajime Ohara and Shuji Kondo. I don't know if this is going to be a full-time thing, but actually I think Kondo actually fits in quite well into Kongo. Uh, when um, uh, Tejano Jr. pinned Tadasuke with the road to Texas, or Tejas, maybe it's pronounced, Um yeah, I mean, I thought this was fine, and it was just a highlight for Tejano Jr., and mm -hmm. I thought it yeah. went well. Yeah, as I said, it's even more blatant that Tejano isn't a junior, or at least not in all in Noah. I think he's just, like, he just towers over people. He, he's just also, like, that much wider than anyone else in the division as well, where I think it was even more blatant on the next show when they did the big kind of multi-man tag with him there as well, and then in the post-match when he was like coming up to the champions to kind of challenge for the junior tag belts where he's just like towers over the champions as well. And yeah, I, but look, I mean, they have want to have him be a junior, pretend that he's a junior, sure, fine. And I think he is actually like a nice addition because he can just like overpower everyone very easily in a division. And I think that adds like a nice dimension to it as well. Because I would say previously kind of the biggest guy in a division or not the biggest guy, but like the most like power guy in the division was Tadasuke. So I think it's kind of nice to like now have someone like Tejano in there who can even throw him around. So yeah, I guess it adds a nice little bit of variety, even if it is just kind of weird to have him be classified as a junior. When I don't think he's ever been classified as a junior in any other promotion that he's been in. Well, I mean, it's not like, yeah... For sure. Like he was very clearly a heavyweight when he was in. Like he obviously he's always been a heavyweight in AAA uh, and at CMLL as well. And I don't think like yeah he was also he was also a heavyweight when he was in Lucha Underground as well. So it's it's just weird that Noah's just like bring him in and be like yeah this guy's a junior and he just stands there and it's like, are you sure about that? And I'm so I was actually sort of surprised he's pinned Tadasuke because O'Hara seems to often be the fall guy and Tadasuke somewhat protected. But I don't know if there's anything to read into. I that would say like I think it was just more like to establish him properly because yeah, as I said, like O'Hara is just the fall guy for the Congo Juniors, so I don't think Tejano really gets anything out of pinning O'Hara. Whereas that's a bit of a bigger statement that he actually pins Tadasuke. 
The next match after that was called the Loser Ring Name Stripping Match. Uh, Howe defeated Neil slash now Hiroki slash High 69 in 16 minutes and 3 seconds with the Tatsumaki. And um, Hiroki, or Neil, also lost his hair as a result. Um, this was good. I don't think it quite got it as good as the match they had a month or two back that I felt was a lot heated. But, you know, I thought it was a satisfying conclusion to their storyline. Yeah, definitely. I also agree that it wasn't as good as the match they had at the beginning of the year, the time limit draw. That just, yeah, it just felt a lot more heated than this did. Like, they, it still was a really, really good match, but it never got to that next year that I really felt it needed. Uh, still was the right decision, though. Uh, was a good finish to the story, as you said. Uh, but they, I feel like for in the post-match, they really should have not gotten cheap on this uh, on the uh, haircutting machine that they got him because that just <laughs> didn't work at all like like how just didn't manage to get any hair off of high 69 like so much so that he got like fed up high 69 and he just left the ring and was just like yeah, yeah sure you you cut off like a few strands of my hair that has to be good enough for now because otherwise we're just going to be here for like 15 more minutes so, or maybe they should have just given him some clippers so that he can like at least cut off the uh, the ponytail or something like that. Uh, yeah, that was like my only my biggest criticism. Like the match itself, it was it was a good match. Uh, it was not a great match. With to be honest, I kind of had low key expectations it could be, uh, but it just yeah never got to that next gear. But it was a really good match and to me the right decision as well. And then after that, we had Extreme Tiger defeating Seki Yoshioka in 11 minutes and 31 seconds with a Tijuana lock. Uh, Extreme Tiger is over 40, so he has to be considered to be in the title hunt in this company. He's a little um, young for that. I thought, yeah, that's true. Um, I thought this was pretty good um, and a good introduction to Extreme Tiger. I don't know if it feels like Yoshioka is a fall guy that really shouldn't be a fall guy, but the match established Tiger well, and I thought he looked good. Yeah, and I don't know. I didn't really feel anything strongly about this match. I think, to me, Extreme Tiger is someone that is, like, he's good. Like, he's a solid wrestler. Like, he always somehow, like, to me, his matches always feel like they fall short of expectations in a way. And this was another one of those matches as well, where... I came in being like, okay, this actually has like low key chances of like being one of the best matches on the show, and I don't think it was that. It was just kind of average, really. Uh, yeah, I guess it, ex- it ex- established Extreme Tiger. Not sure how much he is going to be a regular Noah going forward. I think out of everyone, out of all of the kind of juniors that have come in new into the promotion recently of all of the uh, foreigners that have come into Noah now. He was the one that looked the weakest. Uh, not that he looked bad, bad, but I think everyone else just did that much better. So I think that yep. kind of made it a little bit disappointing as well. Um, I mean, he obviously like has like, probably will have like more chance to really show what he can do, but this was just kind of okay. It was just, just average. It was just there. And I think after this 
point, the, the show really picked up uh, because then we had Noah versus Zebrats. Shun Skywalker, SB Kento, and Hio defeated Daisuke Harada, Alejandro, and Junta Miyawaki in 25 minutes when Skywalker used the SSW on Miyawaki. Uh, this was awesome. Uh, Zebrats were just incredible heels. I thought Shun was a incredible heel here against the Noah team. I think Harada in especially looked incredible against all of these guys. And, you know, and Alejandro did the flying mostly for the Noah team. And I think a lot of people expected Miyawaki to take the fall here or maybe Alejandro would. But, yeah, just awesome. And the mat, the show picked up here and just really great stuff. Yeah, I thought this was amazing as well. Uh, I think this got, like, like, the next three matches, like, that was just, like, a really, like, great set of matches. And it just really kicked off nicely here. Obviously, the Dragon Gate guys are good at like these kinds of like freeway tag matches because that just is kind of the Dragon Gate special, basically. Uh, I think they really excelled here as well. I'm happy that they got the win as well because that means they're going to be regulars or not regulars, but they're going to kind of keep working in Noah going forward. Yeah, yeah, so they will be. That's a great sign. I think the great additions to the division, especially those three, like those are three of my favorites in Dragon Gate so I'm happy to see them more Noah going forward it's also like a sign of like this continuing relationship between Noah and Dragon Gate uh, it's actually um, uh, it's actually Los Perros del Mal so Eita, Nosawa and Kotaro Suzuki are going to challenge for the Triangle Gate Championship in Dragon Gate so it's like that the relationship is also carrying over into Dragon Gate itself now as well. So I think that really just shows that it's just getting stronger and stronger. Uh, I wonder actually if they win the Triangle Gate, if we might even get a defense of the Triangle Gate on a Noah show coming out of that. So that would be something really, really cool. So yeah, I'm all in favor of this match. I thought this was a really cool, uh, really, really cool match. And it's a great sign kind of for the future of the division as well yeah definitely um and then after that we had a three-way match of ninja mac defeating dragon bane and alpha wolf in 18 minutes and three seconds oh this was awesome i mean i you know if you're going to be some sort of party pooper and say you don't like spot fest fine you know but I mean, this is just too awesome and incredible and fast-paced to ignore. I mean, Ninja Mac is awesome. Dragon Bane and Alpha Wolf were good, and I thought in a lot of ways they sort of held the match together while Mac was doing his insane stuff. And they have their sort of – they're brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they have their, like, touring match formula. And at first it was like, well, is, is, is Mac going to fit into it? And they were uh, – perhaps they're maturing – and uh, they totally worked Mac into their formula, and it was incredible. Yeah, uh, we mentioned in the preview that we were going to be afraid that like they're just gonna like to- like they're gonna have Mac do a bunch of spots at the start, and then just toss him to the outside, and then Alpha Wolf and Dragon Bane are just gonna have a match for ten minutes, and then Mac comes back for the finish. And luckily, that's not what they did here at all. I think everyone got kind of equal chance to shine, uh, but I do think that the one that really impressed me the most in this was Ninja Mac. Uh, and I think also he was the one that impressed the fans the most because he got, like, again, like the sign now that you really impress someone in Japan now is that if you get people to just break the COVID rules and just actively make noise. And when he did the Ninja Bomb, yeah. people just audibly gasped. <laughs> like, 
that was one of the loudest reactions on the yeah. entire show. Yeah, because unless um, these people were watching like GCW or something, they wouldn't know, have any idea. They might have seen Alpha Wolf or Dragon Bane, but they definitely probably had not seen Mac. Yeah. So he had made one hell of a, uh, of a first impression. And, all, and I guess this is jumping ahead a bit, but I I was watching, uh, well, it's now yesterday's Noah show, uh, Kaido Kiyomiya versus Ninja Mac. And there were several people in the sign uh, in the crowd with Ninja yeah, Mac signs, which is insane. Like he's getting over like this quickly. But I mean, he just really showed off just his insane athleticism. Like some of the stuff that he can do, like it's it's crazy. Uh, like he's obviously like he's still very raw and has like a lot of like like this kind of spot fest is perfect for him. But I think what he's really going to benefit from, as you said, is really like for example what he did on yesterday's Noah show, like working with someone like Kaito. Which is not something that he can ever do uh, on the U.S. Indies, or he won't really get that many chances to do on the U.S. Indies, where he is not—he he will just always be put in these kind of spot fest matches. Whereas when he goes to Japan, he is actually like will actually be able to work like matches proper against really great wrestlers, and that's just really going to help him. Like I think now I'm really confident that actually Ninja Mac, like he's going to benefit so much from this Nova run where I think it. Yeah. This. Yeah. 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 It's going to turn him into a star. Yeah. A and I mean, that's star. really been like a thing, like a long kind of storied road to success as like kind of for these kind of spot monkey guys like him to go to Japan and learn to work properly while still like retaining like that crazy athleticism and just kind of becoming better workers for doing that. Like just have like perfect examples, like with guys like, uh, ricochet or will osprey like like we are like really going to japan like learning to work properly there and just becoming even better wrestlers like do i know if ninja mac is going to get to that level no but i do think like he's definitely going to become like a much better worker from being a noah and he's already super over so i would actually expect him to act like noah obviously sees that like he's obviously going to come back uh yeah, he, he's leaving uh, either soon or in a week or two. And then he, but he said he'll be back in July, I believe. Yeah, and I, I could definitely see them even trying to turn that in an even longer run now going forward. Where I don't know if they were ever planning to like have him have like a more long-term run, but I think very clearly have to do that now. And I wouldn't be, even be surprised if he gets like a title shot like relative like this year as well. Or I would definitely guess he would get a junior title shot next year at the very latest oh he's already talking about it so i think it's coming sooner rather than later so yeah i'm definitely like i'm definitely bullish now on the ninja macron in noah like i think this has a potential to like be something really really special and the next match for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tag Team title, Yoshinari Ogawa and Chris Ridgway defeated at Sushi Katoge and Yohei in 33 minutes and 41 seconds with a stretch muffler from Ridgway on um, Katoge. Is that right? Because weren't they working over Yohei's leg the entire match? Yeah, no, I'm actually trying to think about the finish. No, but I do think it is actually Katoge that tapped out. Okay, because I, I was just this is the results that yeah. I pulled. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, uh, regardless of who the finish was uh, performed on, I thought this match was my match of the night. It was incredible. I mean, I could see people saying it went too long. Okay. But I just loved Ogawa and Ridgeway destroying Yohei's leg for the entire time. And then, you know, they made like a a comeback um, in the last third of the match. But it was just a clinic to me. And I didn't mind the length at all. Uh, my match of the night for yeah, sure. This was my match of the night as well. And it's something that I really loved about the show is kind of just this variety of styles that you got. Because you had like you had like this crazy spot fest in the previous match. Uh, you had kind of more like power junior stuff early on in the card and you had like your uh, you had like the technical wrestling clinic being put on here by Ogawa and Ridgeway. So like you have like your Ogawa kind of just really showing off what he can do in Ridgeway, like as well kind of being really like I think Ogawa and Ridgeway just look really really great here like they should just be on top of the division or they should just hold these belts for like quite a while uh, uh, yeah I feel, lengthwise yeah I mean I could definitely see why people think this went long but like again like if you just like Ogawa grappling this was really the match for you and I think Kotoga and Yohei were like great to face off here as well because both of them are like they're really good at like selling and being like kind of the underdog baby faces whereas Ridgeway and Ogawa were just really tearing both of them apart uh, with all of their like different holes and everything and just really working them over heavily and I did actually get a feeling that maybe we were like because they were so dominant that we were gonna have uh, Kotoga and Yohei managing to come back and do like the baby face comeback and just barely managing to escape with the titles but then they just like their comeback was just cut off ruthlessly by Ogawa and Ridgeway and then they just went in there for the finish and I think this was a really great showcase for Ridgeway like obviously Ogawa was great as he always is but I think really went a long way of like establishing Ridgeway again Noah and just really putting him over strong that he got the win here as well and uh, as a tap out as well so yeah I thought this was a really great match uh uh, I would actually come close to maybe saying it was like the best match on either of the sh- either of those two shows, uh, and it was really great way of like establishing the new junior tag title match. And it was definitely like the best junior tag title match that I've seen in like a while as well. Like I thought Yohan Kotoga had like a really good reign, but it just feels like Ogawa and Ridgeway like that's a team right up my alley, and really looking forward to what they're gonna do. Uh, during a title reign. Right. Well, I think there's some direction to their title reign, as we'll get into in a bit. And also, I'll just say, if you like the Kaito Kiyomiya versus uh, Yoshinori Ogawa matches and think don't think they went too long, you'll love this, I guess, sort of as a point of comparison to something that's, you know, the closest thing that Noah has done recently, I guess. Um, and our main event for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title Hayata defeated Eita in 28 minutes and 8 seconds with a headache to win the title. I think this is like Eita doesn't even make a successful defense of the title. Um, yeah, this went too long. I know I appreciate Eita's blade job because you don't just get a lot of blade jobs in, in Japanese wrestling, um, even especially in the main events, if, if it's a non-hardcore um, promotion type thing, I should say. Uh, but I mean, there was some decent and good sequences here, but it was just like brawling through large swaths of this. I thought it just 
failed to pull me in. You know, I mean, I'm on record as not being a guy that likes Hayata that much, uh, but I was expecting a little more out of this because Ada was in there. I mean, it wasn't bad, but like if I had to give it a rating, maybe a three or three and a quarter. Yeah, I also thought this was just okay. Ada is actually kind of an underrated hardcore brawler. So when I saw him getting blood, I thought this would like be like a signal to kick the match into next gear, and then it just didn't. He just kind of kept working kind of with the same intensity as they had before. They didn't even like pull out that many like gimmicks as well. Like normally when Ata kind of does this kind of stuff, he gets out his his board with barbed wire and everything and didn't even get that. Like they just kind of worked it like a normal match after that. Um, yeah, it was just kind of an okay match. Like I guess Ata just did the best that he could with someone like Hayata. And yeah, I mean... It felt like Ata trying to do his match, and then it was just Hayata just not being willing or being able to do anything besides like his style of match, and it just became a Hayata match after a while, and it was just kind of okay. I mean, it definitely. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was a disappointment given that this was the main event of a sumo hall show. Like, if he graded by the standards of a like sumo hall main event then this was like a massive disappointment. But if we just look at the match just by itself, then it was an okay match. Yeah, just knocked 10 minutes off of it and it would have been fine. There was no reason to go 28 minutes especially, yeah. right? I mean, but even then, like um, I would have just said it's an okay match. Like I don't think that would have like improved the match all that much. Probably not, but it wouldn't have dra- felt as dragging on as it did at points yeah. for sure, no. though. But I mean, then again, like I mean, it probably just felt like it had to go like nearly thirty minutes because it's a, it's the main event and it's Sumo Hall. So I get I get why they had it go long, but yeah, it definitely did not help the match. That's for sure. Uh, so that's the first night, uh, Majestic and Innovation. I mean, I thought this was a really good show. I mean, it's. People have many jokes to make about the Noah Junior division, but it can deliver when it's called upon generally. And I thought all of the talent that they brought in, not just the Dragon Gate guys, but the the foreigners as well, really added a freshness to it that uh, Noah was needing. Yeah, I would definitely say like the effort that Noah has been making since the beginning of the year to really elevate the junior division. Like I think it definitely has to be called a success. Uh, I think the junior division to me, like it's actually one of my favorite parts of Noah now uh, and this show really like top to bottom I think I prefer this show to the second show like, I think because it's just there was just such great variety on this show and just this like the free like the free match stretch of like the, from the Dragon Gate tag over the free freeway spot uh, fast to the junior tag title match that was just a really great one of matches and it just really showed kind of the heights that that division can get to uh, and I hope this like I hope that Noah also sees this as a success and that they just keep kind of pushing the junior division strongly and maybe they're going to get like another big show like I don't know if they're going to give them like another sumo hall show but I think they've definitely earned the right to like have more bigger kind of junior only shows going forward I would say give them a Corican Hall yeah. each quarter, four times a year. Yeah, I think that that's a really great decision. But make it make it a weekend Corican, not a midweek Corican. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, well, I mean, it is Golden Week. Happy Golden Week, Paul. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why, you know, All Japan can do 986 uh, fans at an 11.30 a.m. show on a Wednesday. <laughs> but which I think also goes to the point to some of the numbers and like the Corican shows that are coming up for Noah and some other Corican shows. It's just hard drawing in Tokyo right now, especially in Corican. Yeah. No, but I do think they've kind of earned the right to like, yeah have like their own car control going forward and then maybe like you can also like have them run like i don't know like a bigger building in osaka as well so just to like see what they can do there if they kind of maybe like they, draw they should well. do a you know it'd be a great troll if they go ran a show in kobe Ooh. well to be fair i mean you do have a good relationship with uh well no but that's but it's the point yeah. to do it as like a troll, oh. like a you know, yeah. obviously like Dragon Gate guys on the show, yeah. but you know, you you do it to heat up the rivalry. I mean, I would if you do like a Triangle Gate defense in Noah, like I would probably do it in Kobe in that case. Yeah, that would get well. I was gonna say heat, but you can't really get <laughs> heat right now. But it it would be really interesting to see what if you did like an, an innovation so in Kobe once you had uh, the crowd could make noise and see what that would get. So now we move into night two of Noah Majestic. Sumo Hall, 2,077 fans. I guess this is the lower end of acceptable. Yeah. Like I said, like my expectations were definitely raised by what the junior show drew, and my line was basically anything under 2,000 fans was going to be a disappointment, and they managed to cross that line by 77 people. So I think this was a solid number. Um I wouldn't call it a massive success either because DDT drew 500 people more. Now, obviously, yep. DDT put the biggest match they could on top. And it was the 25th anniversary show. And it was the show. 25th anniversary show. So, obviously, like, they were going to have, like, the biggest number there. But, yeah, I mean, it's a solid... Like, it's not a disappointment, obviously. Uh, it is just... They, it is within line of expectations, basically. Also, the main event changed a couple of days before. Yeah, exactly. Like, that obviously doesn't help the walk-up. That obviously yeah, doesn't well, Fuji, help. Yeah, well, Fujita's not a draw, but it doesn't help. No. And That's also I, because know. they, like, literally didn't even fully announce this, the main event for this one, until, like, the end, like, they announced it at the end innovation show. So Yeah, because I'm sure some things were happening backstage about what they were going to do and if they were going to vacate yeah. the time. Yeah, they, were, they, were, they strongly teased, obviously, that it was going to be go with Kaito, but they never, like, they didn't actually, yeah. like, officially announce it until the day before. Which, again, obviously, that's not going to help with, like, late-stage ticket sales either. Right. So, to open, we had uh, Slex and Kai Fujimura defeating Alejandro and Yasutaku Yano uh, with the close of the business on Slex against Yano in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Close of business is um, Cobra Kutch. And I thought this was another good opener. Uh, Slax continues to seem to get over with the sunglasses. He puts some sunglasses on Fujimura. And Alejandro and Yano look great and is just perfect for getting Slax over some more. Yeah, I'm just like, I do like the sunglasses gimmick. I think he has to be kind of careful to not kind of accidentally like put himself into a comedy role with it. Because, uh, like, I have, a f like, sometimes I get the feeling, like, there's definitely, like, a point where you can overdo the sunglasses gimmick and it becomes a bit too much DDT rather than Noah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's just something to pay, I think, is something he should, like, 
be careful of. But like otherwise, yeah, he's definitely like he's getting over with it, and he kind of used both of these shows to kind of establish two finishers, which is a good idea. So yeah, no, good match overall. Uh, the next match was the Congo team of Manabu Soya, Tadasuke, and Hajime Ohara defeating uh, Funky Express, King Tane, Mohamed Yone, and Akatoshi Saito. 12 minutes and 55 seconds uh, with Soya pinning Yone after the Dando. I mean, this is every other Funky Express match you've ever seen. There's nothing really to say about it. No, I, well, it was I was fine. just surprised that they lost the match because I actually expected Ohara to get pinned here. Right. But yeah, maybe that means they might want to like do something more with Soya as well. So. The next match, uh, Stinger, Hayata, Yoshinari Ogawa, Chris Ridre, and Seki Yoshioka defeated uh, Peros, or sorry, and Yuya Susumu defeated Peros Damal de Hippon, Nosawa, Eita, Tejano Jr., Kotaro Suzuki, and Super Crazy uh, by disqualification in 9 minutes and 28 seconds. This was just an angle. Yeah. <laughs> to show that Peros and Stinger really hate each other. I mean, it's like every Peros and Stinger match ever. Like, it's lifted literally any multi-man tag between these two is like it's never actually a match it's literally just a prolonged angle every single time well this one annoyed me because it's like this is something you do in cork and hall not at sumo hall to me yeah but then again it, it was also just more of a thing to like set up a match as well so right like it really was just like the goal here was to set up uh tejano and super crazy versus rich ray and ogawa and again, like when Tejano stepped up to Ogawa and Rich Rain, he's just like standing there in front of Rich Rain. It's <laughs> just looking down at him. It's just sure this guy is a junior. Sure, Noah. Next match, uh, Kazushi Sakuraba and Kendo Kashin defeated the, the Dragon Gate team of Masaki uh, Mochizuki and Don Fuji in six minutes and 47 seconds with a schoolboy from Kashin on... Mochizuki uh, trivia note: This is the Don Fuji's first ever match in Noah. What a what a um, debut in Noah! Yeah, I know this is just a waste of a match given what this could have been. I can't even believe that Kashin pinned Mochizuki here. Uh, he, he I, God, you talk about can politic. This guy's a fifty year old, like never was that big a star, and he's not even doing jobs. Yeah. Um, Sakuraba and Kendo Kashin came out dressed exactly the same, both wearing the super strong machine uh, Sakuraba masks, so they're doing that gimmick now. Oh, man, it's just disappointing because I thought this could have been a lot more fun. Yeah, no, I I was actually like, I knew it was a Kendo Kashin match, but I was like, I mean, Don Fuji's in there, and like, how do you have a bad match with Don Fuji? And then Kashin somehow managed to pull that off. And it's also like, the thing with Kendo Kashin is like, Okay, I get, like, all of the other shooters because they were, like, legit fighters. Like, Kendo Kashin, like, fucking awful. He was a terrible MMA fighter. He lost to Katsuyori Shibata, who was also a terrible MMA fighter. Like, He got one lucky win off of a minor Gracie. Yes, <laughs> who got injured. It. Like, he yeah. didn't even beat him. Like, his opponent got injured, and that's how he won the match. Like Fujita, like Fujita fall has fall. Like Fujita was a legit fighter in pride. Like he was a legit guy. Obviously Sakuraba, massive fucking MMA star. Like Funaki, like fucking invented MMA. Like I get it for all those guys. I don't get it for Kashin. Like he's just another one of those guys that like tried to do MMA. Was really like he was another one of those wrestling guys who tried to do MMA. Was really horrible at it, and. 
he just somehow parlayed that into like never taking a fall in Noah. I just and he was never a good wrestler either. He was never a good wrestler. He was never a good fighter. He was never a draw. He was never anything. And yet somehow he just, I don't know. I, I just don't get it. Now it's who your friends are. I guess <laughs> so, yeah. The next match after that, uh, Rene Dupree and El Hijo Doc day dr wagner jr making their triumphant return to noah defeated masato tanaka and daiki nab in 10 minutes and 51 seconds with a moonsault press on, from wagner on inaba um yeah this was just a sort of established and set up bringing in back a dupree and wagner i thought it was like a fine three-star match i will say uh wagner is certainly a, I can't call him great, but he's certainly a much better wrestler than he was when he first came into Noah back in was it 2018 or something? Yeah, I thought he was really bad then. So he deserves marks for improving. Rene Dupree is Rene Dupree. I mean, he's perfectly serviceable, but I wouldn't stick him in like long stretches. But he's fine in a tag team. And, you know, there's not much else to say. I, I don't think. Yeah, I think that really just sums up that Dupree and Wagner team is like they're perfectly okay. Uh. I don't, yeah, uh, yeah, they're perfectly okay. <laughs> I'm actually just thinking yeah. if I can find one, but like, no, they're, they're perfectly mid. Like, that's what they are. Yeah. They're not embarrassing, but they're no. not thrilling. Like, I get why they want to establish them again, but I mean, yeah, I mean, after, the, after they're properly established, either. like, I would just have them be like a mid card tag team, and they're perfectly fine for that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Naba takes another pin. I think in a year from now we should sit down and have a round table on just who got screwed the most by the closure of Wrestle One among the uh, the ex uh, members of the roster. Well, it's clearly not Rene Dupree. No, clearly not Rene Dupree. Uh, in the next match, uh, he made it somehow. Michael Halkin defeated Masakidami in 12 minutes and 33 seconds with an Algen bomb. I mean, this is a good match. I mean, regardless of thoughts on Algen aside. You know, I mean, they tried to do like the big like two hosses match, two hosses going at it, and sort of pack that into twelve minutes. It it there was hard hits. It did exactly what it was supposed to do in terms of getting Elgin over. You know, with a triumphant win. And after the match, like Elgin carries Kidamia to the back, and then they they did in their backstage comments, and this got treated out by Noah. They have formed a tag team. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think there's much of a point of like relitigate everything about like Elgin, like. Like eventually, well, he's not going anywhere. No, yeah, event, that's for sure. I mean, not for now. Like eventually, he will yeah. manage to burn this bridge. But until then, like he is a member of the roster, and Noah obviously doesn't give a shit. So, well, yeah. see, here's here's the thing about burning bridges. He was offered another New Japan contract. He just decided not to resign. So it could just be a Fair, case that yeah. he decides to. So if anything, it, it could just be a case he decides to give up on yeah. Noah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this was a this was a good match overall. Uh, as I said, it did what it was supposed to. It put up, put over Elgin. I think Elgin just like was really impressive. Just the way he just tossed around Kitamiya around the ring. Uh, I think Kitamiya sold sold it really well as well. Uh, yeah, put over Elgin strongly. A Kitamiya Elgin team. I mean, that could be something. I'm curious where that goes. I actually didn't expect Elgin to like form a tag team right away. I actually would have expected him to like go for a singles title but it might yeah. be that they have him go for the tag titles first I think that's where that's, this is headed um, 
So the match after that, uh, the next match was the GHC national title. Masakatsu Funaki defeated Simon Gotch in 9 minutes and 47 seconds uh, from a referee stop from a sleeper hold. I guess I have to retract what I said from Simon Gotch. I thought he's looked well in Noah, and I thought he looked well in here. I think that's partially due to the sort of quality of opponents he's facing. Like, you know, doing this stuff against guys on the indies, regardless of Gotch's ability, it's like you have American indie guys trying to do, like, shoot style and martial arts stuff, which is very different when you get into the sort of, you know, quality of wrestlers in Japan. So, you know, like, I went three and a half stars on this. I thought this was fun, good match. Yeah, it was okay. I mean, yeah, obviously, like, if you want to do shoot style, like, there's no one really better to, like, get in there than Funaki, like, literally the guy that, like, more or less invented shoot style. <laughs> so Yeah, he was in yeah, there. Yeah, so I think that's, like, probably, like, the best guide for, like, Gotch to go up against. Uh, I think, kind of style-wise, he fits in really well, the Noah. So, uh, I mean, his look, I mean, it, it's certainly a choice. <laughs> okay. So he's got, I guess, what's called a devil lock, which is, like, popularized by the band The Misfits. It looks, like, horrible on him. He might as well just put on, like, makeup to make himself look like a zombie, sort of, <laughs> to, to lean into the gimmick. Um, yeah, he's got to get rid of the hair, but other than that, he's looked good. Yep, I and, think this uh, was a perfectly acceptable match. Uh, like, I don't think it was, like, he, really great match, but I think it definitely, like, exceeded my expectations that I had for this match, which obviously were not super high. But I think he, like, adapted to the style well, and I think he, he's going to be fine at Noah. Yeah, uh, he's exceeded my expectations already. And actually, he was actually, because on the, the junior show, they had, like, sort of a parade of uh, the foreigners doing commentary, mm-hmm. And I thought he was, like, the best one of all the foreigners who did commentary. Yeah, no, easily. Like, he, it was also very clear that, like, he did his homework. Like, that he yeah. that he was a regular, like, obviously, unsurprisingly, he was a regular Noah watcher before he came into Noah. Like, I think that makes perfect sense that, like, Simon Gotch was watching Noah before. Like, I think that's not a surprise. But, yeah, he, he just felt like a guy that knew what he was talking about. Like, some of the other guys, like, I don't feel like had Rene, a really good idea. Rene Dupree was awful. <laughs> yeah, Rene Dupree. He's just like, oh, look at that, and stuff like that, you know. I also love, like, the best part of that was Rene Dupree, like, plugging Wrestle Universe on a show airing on Wrestle Universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thanks, so Rene. Well, it was probably, was it on Obima as well? Yeah. I don't, well, the English feed definitely wasn't. No, that's yeah. true. Uh, also, one thing I will give Gotch credit for consummate professional because like at one point like Fulton and Pickering were like wanted to talk about Gotch and what he was feeling but he's like mm, he was like trying to steer it back to cover the action yeah no I think that that was yeah I thought I thought he did really well in that one like I think actually out of across both shows out of all of the like guest commentators they brought in like he was easily the best one because they brought in some people like on this show as well to do guest commentary and bless Chris Ridge Ray's heart he's, he's a great wrestler but it's not a great pro when he's an even worse commentator. <laughs> yeah, I hope uh, they should bring in Akatoshi Saito uh, as sometime on English commentary because I've heard his English is quite good. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Who was it again, the guy that they brought in on this show out of the Japanese guys to do commentary? Oh, I can't remember now. It wasn't the guy that does like Tokyo Joshi commentary, was it? No. Oh, it was a wrestler? Yeah, I think it was a wrestler, but I don't remember who it was. I just remember that I can't remember. basically oh, God, said I can't nothing. Remember now. Uh, oh, who was it? Maybe it was Saito. No. no, because Saito's English is good. Like, and 
this was not yeah. a guy who had good English. I'm trying to think. I can't remember now. Uh, it'll come to me maybe. Yeah. I mean, again, but that also shows like how an unmemorable that bottom commentary was as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, f- I thought Gotch, like, yeah, definitely Gotch exceeded expectations both on commentary and in the ring. So good job out of him. And then we had uh, the team of Dragon Bane, Alpha Wolf, Extreme Tiger, and Ninja Mac defeating Daisuke Harada, Atsushi Kotoge, Yohei, and Junta Miyawaki in 16 minutes and 33 seconds with Bane, uh, Dragon Bane pinning Miyawaki. <laughs> Another great just showcase for these guys. Um, you know, Ninja Mac did his thing and probably got over the most out of all of them, but it was just, you know, nonstop action and everything and what exactly it needed to be at this point in the show, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he also like shook hands with Harada after the match. Yes. So I, I would definitely expect him to be like a guy that is going to be like in the Noah Junior like home army. So just obviously like you want to have him be a baby, like just a clear cut baby face, just the like way he gets over. Um, yeah, I thought this was a real, just a really good showcase for like the foreigners coming in. Like like this was very clearly the focus of the match to just like give all of them a chance to kind of like get in like familiarize the crowd with the signature spots um yeah yeah. they did they did do that well and yeah the match did what it was supposed to do and it was just like a really nice good spot fast and established the guys well and next we found out the the identity of the biggest x ever Uh, naomichi marafuji and satoshi kojima defeated yoshiki inamura and kenya okada in 15 minutes in one second with obviously a lariat from kojima on okada um uh, Kojima has he's going to be in Noah full time uh, we don't know if that is a real jump a soft, well he was announced as New Japan's so a soft jump or an easing in type thing where like with Akiyama he was lent he was lent out to DDT but then he just joined at the beginning of the following year in 2021 when his All Japan contract would have expired so I don't know I mean Kojima has jumped before I know that he left all Japan originally to go back to New Japan over money issues so I don't know what his actual relationship with Mudo is these days but sometimes times heals wounds obviously so I don't know we'll have to see what happens with Kojima I don't really have a good read on it yeah I mean it is wrestling like if apparently like Shingo and Shima can patch up their relationship like I'm sure Mudo and Kojima can as well especially because money shouldn't be an issue Noah uh, right. given the cyber fight backing like I actually expect this to be kind of yeah a soft jump where it's like oh yeah I'm New Japan Satoshi Kojima and but now I'm wrestling in Noah and I'm never wrestling in New, New Japan for some reason and then I just expect by like the new year they will just make it official then um, in terms of like this being the biggest X ever I love Kojima he is legitimately one of my all-time favorites. Like I, when I was at All Out uh, and I saw him wrestling Moxley, like I just went very loud when Kojima came out, and I didn't really go very loud when Kojima came out here. <laughs> uh, I was just, yeah, I heard the music. I was like, oh, it's it's Kojima. It's like that's cool now to be fair probably was a bit of a victim of expectations yep Uh, well it's funny because uh 
when Kojima came out, people were speculating that X was supposed to be uh, Osprey. <laughs> because it's like, well, why is Kojima this big X? Yeah, I mean, but like, it seems like yes, Kojima was always the plan. Like, yeah, obviously, he, Kojima, Kojima was always, always the, the plan. plan. Like, given yeah, yeah. given like everything that they've done and everything. So, like, ov- so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say if Osprey would have been the biggest except eh, I mean, it definitely would have been. It would have been bigger. surprise. It would have been, been a bigger surprise. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I mean, with all of that said, like, I think they just kind of like set them. To be fair, they did set themselves up to fail with just like the way where they were just like massively hyping this. Now, with that being said, I do think Kojima is a great addition to the roster. Like he can still go. Uh, obviously, he's right in the perfect age range to go for the uh, GHC title. <laughs> so, but he's also someone that can still go on a really high level. And as I mentioned, like Kojima is one of my all-time favorites. So I'm happy that he's now in a promotion that will actually push him. So. Yeah, no, I I do think he's like a great addition to the roster, so I'm happy to see him and Noah overall. So I guess the question is, do you think it looks bad to have a guy that was beaten by a drum all of a sudden come into another company and then be challenging for the world title? Mm, I would say no, because it is still Kojima. Like I think he's, yeah, he was getting beaten like a drum in New Japan, but he's also Satoshi Kojima, so he's kind of Teflon. Right. And then, so I think just him being a new promotion just gives him instantly gives him new credibility. For sure. And uh, he might actually win the GHC title. Do you think? Oh, I fully expect him to. I and then M- Mudo versus Kojima in the Budokan in July? Yeah. So uh, I can't wait to start trolling on Twitter and being like the game, play the game. All Japan main event in 2020, in 2002, or Noah main event in 2022? I mean, definitely, because, I mean, Fujita is probably going to get, like, a shot against uh, uh, against uh, uh, Kojima as well. Yeah. Um, as for the match, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I mean, seeing Inamura and Kojima go at it was great, and I thought Okada actually worked really hard here to try to, like, well, unsuccessfully try to prove that he could go toe-to-toe with Kojima. Yeah. No, and, and again, that really shows that like, like Kojima's like a great addition because it just instantly like it felt like su- like such a fresh match just from him being in there. Uh, yeah, you already showed that he has like great chemistry with like two people on the roster who are probably like well, I mean we don't know for Okada, but like Inamura, he's definitely gonna like have a singles match with Inamura at some point. I think that's going to be a great match. Uh, yeah, I as I said, like I'm happy that Kojima's there in there just didn't quite fulfill the expectations for the biggest X ever but he's a great addition to the roster and it just like it just just him being there like it freshens things up uh so Kojima and Inamura on the um what will be on today's Korokin while we're recording actually oh yeah I but forgot it's, that they're already doing it <laughs> but that being said it's the only match on that show of any interest yeah but I mean it, and it's also kind of clear who's going to get the win there of course and now for our semi-main event, the, a match that set the internet on fire. <laughs> <laughs> the GHC Tag Team title, Takashi Sugera and Hideki Suzuki defeated Keno and Katsuhiko Nakajima in... Um, oh, I don't have the time in front of me. But it was like 20-something minutes. And um, 
you know, uh, obviously, infamously... Uh, 18, 18, 18 of those minutes were just Hideki holding the pin on Nakajima. Yeah, 18 of those minutes were just holding... Yeah, double-arm suplex from uh, Suzuki on Nakajima. Okay, first, before we get into the incident, I will say this match was awesome. I went four stars. <laughs> like, I don't... I think Nakajima just seemed like he... And, and Keno, too, just seemed like... And, of course, reports are that they are pissed... But they really took it out on Suzuki, which I thought really <laughs> sort of made this match, actually, right? And it was and obviously Sugara yeah. is Sugara. And Hideki is a great wrestler. I would never deny that. I've gone five stars on a Hideki-Suzuki match before. Um, but obviously, you know, so this was a great match. Obviously, the the finish, Nakajima doing a job before with uh, to Hideki after Hideki refused to do a job in a singles match to Nakajima. And then Suzuki just lying there for like 10 seconds <laughs> i don't know uh yeah i i love this match as well um i agree that it was the it was definitely the best match on this show and i think it was also the best match on either of those shows i think i would just put it slightly ahead of the junior tag title match but i thought both of those matches were great it just this one i think i just slightly preferred uh yeah as i said like Keno and Nakajima were really laying their stuff in. Uh, I think that really helped the match as well. And uh, I think Segura and Tideki have just great chemistry as well. Like, I think they actually match up style was really well as a team. Uh, where just Tideki is obviously more like the grappler, and then you have Segura being more of the power guy. And I think that's always a great dynamic. Just gives like a good variety to the matches. Um, yeah, I thought actually Keno and Nakajima like they actually got a lot in this match like they actually like got to show off a lot of their offense um, obviously then Suzuki kind of holding the pin on Nakajima it didn't bother me as much as it did as a people it was kind of a shit move but I mean it's it's a Deki Suzuki like it just kind of comes with the territory I think it's, it's like a, I, being like, who does Hideki Suzuki think he is? Well, Hideki Suzuki thinks he's Hideki Suzuki, and Hideki Suzuki thinks Hideki Suzuki is the shit. So he's gonna do it. Like, it's just a combination of things. I think in isolation, it wouldn't have been as mm-hmm. uh, bad. Also, to be fair, I think if he had done it on anyone else except for Nakajima, people wouldn't have lost their shit as much. That's like, true if too. he had done the same thing on Kano, like people probably would have been pissed, but they wouldn't have been as pissed. As, uh, yeah. As they would have been here. Well, so for among internet, because I was thinking about this earlier, among international fans, would you say that like, and I don't know what order to put them in, but but Keno and Nakajima are like the one A and one B of the most loved wrestlers on the Noah roster by the international fans, even more so than Go and Kaito. I would maybe make an argument Kaito ahead of Keno, but it is definitely close. But Nakajima is like. The one like N- Nakajima is like to me is very clearly like the one that is like most loved by like international right. fans. I see a lot of Keno fans out there, so I would. J- yeah, I, no, I, there's I absolutely like absolutely, but I think Nakajima just has like a wider like kind of base. I think Keno fans can be like a bit more like intense and a love for Keno, which right. makes sense because it's Keno. Um, but I do, f- and so I do feel like I also think there's kind of the narrative around kind of Nakajima being buried. Which right. obviously stuff like this doesn't help with that. <laughs> so I think that just like makes like anything that happens with Nakajima. Like I f- do think people have a tendency to just overanalyze anything that happens with Nakajima. 
obvious like but i think that's more relevant for like something like that we're going to talk about later mm-hmm. um i do think obviously like in this one yeah that's definitely not a great look for nakajima that like hideki just like holds him down like that but to be honest i don't think he did it specifically because i don't know he like hates nakajima or there was like a thing coming from the back that he should do it i feel like he would have done the same to Kano, or he would have done that to like literally anyone else that would have been in this match if he's just thought like you're gonna pin that guy you probably would have done that on like any of them yeah for sure and um so we move on to the main event for the ghc heavyweight title decision match goshi ozaki defeated kaito kiyomiya in 30 minutes and two seconds with the go on lariat uh, to become the 38th champion and win the title for a fifth time, which is a new record. Previously, he had uh, shared that record with Sugera with four reigns each. Um, I thought this was actually my match of the night on this show. I went four and a quarter. I thought Kaido worked really hard here trying to make something out of this match. But ultimately, I think what made it from like going into like match of the year candidate is that it just didn't get me on that emotional level because I pretty was quite sure that Go was winning. So I think that was sort of a factor here. But, I mean, it was just incredible wrestling. And like I say, Kaido, well, and Go too. But really, I think Kiyomiya really should get recognized for being one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, I thought this was a really strong match. I didn't quite like it as much as either tag team title match, to be honest. Uh, Because, as I said, it just kind of, like, it had no build. It had no real intrigue about what the outcome would be to me so obviously like both men did really well with like what they were given uh, and it was still a really good match like i don't want to pretend that it was not but it just like i had like no real like strong emotional connection to exactly. it either like that's really what was missing from that it's like it was two great wrestlers going in there and having a good match with each other which is expected uh but obviously like given that like was literally announced like the day before that this match was actually going to happen like there's only so much you can really do with that there's only really so much you can like build to with like in the match if you had no build previously like they didn't really have like many interactions on like tag matches or anything that they could like call back to so yeah i think they did well with what they were given and they did well given the circumstances but it also like never really like connected with me on that like next level that I could say it was a great match. So yeah, um, it, it, it was good. Uh, it was really good, really, really good. Like if it actually had any bills and if there had been any like doubt about the outcome, I think then definitely I probably would have rated this match a lot higher, but uh, yeah, uh, just the way it was, it was like really, really good, but not great. Yeah. Like, that's sort of like the emotional investments, the dividing line between a very, a very good, excellent match and like match of the year candidate, right? And then I, yeah. and it came in for me just under that match of the year candidate level, which is like a, I consider like four and a half. Um, so I, I guess we should add the note. I can't remember what match this happened in, but Rob Van Dam is coming in <laughs> for uh, the Cyber Fight Festival in June, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I've hearing some whispers that this isn't just a one shot is rvd really like a guy that is that well known in japan so he had a run in all japan in the 90s but like the most he ever did was be like a fall guy and um yeah and challenge i think a couple of times for the junior title uh he worked the all japan tour with sabu in 
early 2001, like as ECW was closing. And the only other times he was in Japan was through TNA. Yeah, so... Because he was on a Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. I do remember that, that he was on the, on the joint Wrestle Kingdom that they did with TNA, so... So he's not an unknown quantity, but, but it's not even about how well-known he is. He is in rough shape. Oh, he's awful. And his last Impact run, which I think was in early 2020, he was awful. He had, he ha- well, I mean, I've seen people claim that he did this to get out of paying, um, like, alimony to his wife. But it's probably true. He has CTE. And it's okay, affecting yeah. him. It's affecting him. Like his, Yeah, that's not a great... Like, I've heard things about him. Like, you know, he's off, right? Because he's mm-hmm. of all the head trauma. That's not a great sign either. No, no. But I mean, to be fair, like the last thing I heard RVD doing was like him coming into OTT and like pinning Scotty Davis. So maybe like gonna bring him in and have him pin Elgin because he's the con- <laughs> he's the cancel he's the slayer of cancelled guys, I guess. Yeah. So maybe I, they're gonna do that. Yeah, but, RVD yeah. seems so quaint in this modern era. Um, but in 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 defense of RVD, uh, CBD oil is now legal in Japan. Oh, really? That's- yes massive yeah and uh i mean it's obviously regulated like Mm -hmm. probably more so than it is in like most other western countries but like oh yeah no you i can just buy that in like a corner shop here yeah yeah so you need to specialize stores because zeus's brother opened a cbd store in osaka actually oh yeah i saw him because i saw that because zeus was promoting it on twitter and that's how okay, I so now it makes a lot more sense for all of a sudden RVD is willing to get booked in Japan. <laughs> so now, so that's how I found out that CBD oil was actually legalized in Japan because um, of Zeus promoting his brother's store on Twitter. <laughs> okay, that okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah, so well, and and and, and then RV... it makes more sense that RVD might be a more of a regular than when RVD has his own CBD like line, I think, or whatever brand. It's going to expand it to Japan. <laughs> Maybe. So that's sort of... And I guess um, since we're on the Cyberfight Festival talk, uh, Keno showed up on DDT's Max Bump show and he'll be facing Daisuke Sasaki. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be a really interesting match. I'm actually very curious how that one's going to go. That has a very good chance of being the best Sasaki singles match ever. <laughs> it does. Uh, Paul, what do you think of this idea given how everything's going down in Noah? Keno goes to DDT and basically is the reverse Chris Jericho of being the wrestler among a bunch of sports entertainers. <laughs> that actually would be a lot of fun. Uh, but I think, I mean, out of all of the Noah, like he is the guy that has crossed over the most regularly into DDT. Yeah. Weird as that sounds. Because I think it's because his mic skills are probably the best. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he would be like a perfect straight man for like all of the like wacky antics and DDT. Like, I think that actually would be like a really cool thing to see. Yeah, well, that's just some speculation in case you know it got too much for Keno. Um, so uh, I'm not going to go through the whole show because there's like a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter on the uh, May 4th Noah Dream On 2022 in Cork and Hall. Did you see the whole show, Paul? And uh, not the entire show, but I saw kind of like the uh, the later half of the show. Okay. Well, I'll just say Simon Gotch was Kenny Okada. Another good match. Gotch looked really good. Uh, Nosawa Rangai, Tejano Jr. Super Crazy defeated Alejandro Kaifujimori and Yutak. 
uh, Yasutaku Yano. This was actually a lot of fun because it, it was like four and a half minutes and it was just a sprint with like Alejandro and his team just flying around. Uh, Keno and Masakatsu Funaki defeated Kendo Kashin and Slex. Now here's my issue with this. Slex did the job to Keno, which, or, which is fine. But, but here's the thing. This is why it's so stupid that Cashin can't be a job guy, right? But also, yeah. because he very clearly needs to take the pin here. Like, yeah, come on. Okay, but another thing. This was just also a comedy match because, uh, like, how they were wrestling in Cashin um, came out in the uh, Sakuraba outfit and wore the and wore the super strong machine mask, and so they did the the go up to the balcony thing. And so they actually did mass confusion in the mat in the match because Sakuraba was up on the balcony waiting, and then Sakuraba comes down and clearly is wrestling some of the match, and then they do it again, and then like Kashin is the one who is in the ring is in the ring at the end of the match. It's yeah, that, that so stupid, awful. <laughs> yeah, just a waste of slacks, really, and Keno yeah. too. Um, also a waste of Funaki, like a waste of yeah. everyone in this match except for Kashin. Yeah. It's even uh, a waste for the referee. <laughs> Dragon Bane, Alpha Wolf, and Extreme Tiger defeated Tadasuke, Hajime Ohara, and Hiroki in 10:34 uh, with the, the Night Wolf on uh, Hiroki from Alpha Wolf. This was pretty good. I mean, it was just like a sprint. Everyone in this match is pretty good. What you would expect from it, keeping the the uh, Luchador strong. Now, he, this is a match that I woke up to, and everyone was losing their shit. <laughs> Seems like a common theme on these Noah shows. Yeah. Michael Algen and, Mas- and, and Masakitamiya defeated Katsuhiko Nakajima and Manabu Soy in 9 minutes and 12 seconds with Algen pin Nakajima with an Algen bomb. And not only did Nakajima pin, or sorry, Algen pin Nakajima with an Algen bomb, after the match, Soya carried Nakajima out <laughs> over his shoulders back to the, the backstage area. A match was good. Right, there was some good like double team action. It was obviously nine minutes. These guys kept a good pace. You know, obviously Algin and them are getting um, Algin and Kitami are getting a push. But I think just Nakajima doing another job was jarring and inexplicable. If do you think this is an actual angle leading to something? Yeah, I think he's just doing a losing streak. Like I think this was the one for me where like people probably are overreacting a little bit. Like, where people are, like, overanalyzing it. And it probably didn't help that it was Elgin that pinned Nakajima, who obviously already has... Right. ...is not the favorite person of, like, Western fans, to pull it mildly, for good reason. But, like, he has pinned Nakajima before, and he is getting a massive push as well. So, like, him pinning Nakajima, to me, like, it's not egregious. Like, especially if it's, like, something that, like... Clearly, like, Nakajima, like, to have him, like, lose matches and it's going to lead to, like, something with Congo and everything. So, to me, that's more just, like, a storyline thing. And, again, like, similar to, like, Tejano pinning Tadasuke, like, on the junior show, like, it just has that much more of a statement to have Elgin pin Nakajima rather than have Elgin pin Soya. So, I think that was more the angle here to have Elgin pin the former champion. So, like, that puts him him over more than if he would pin Soya. Especially if you have Nakajima B kind of having a bit of a funk right now. So, like, I think people really kind of lost their shit over this one. And I think 
was a bit of an overreaction. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it's an angle. I hope it's an angle. Yeah. Now, to be fair, the egregious part to me here was Soya carrying about out afterwards. Like, I don't think that was a little unnecessary. It was yeah, a bit me. of a step too far. Like, you can't have Elegant pin Nakajima, but, like, not don't have him get carried out like a baby by Soya. That's bad. That sort of added it to the angle part yeah. of it to me, I think. Right? Yeah. No, it, definitely. If, they, yeah. if this was punishment or something, like... I was like, Nakajima will just pop back up and no sell it or something, yeah. Like, right? Yeah, no, that clearly is like a, a anger thing. And, and it is also like generally Noah does contracts in April. Mm-hmm. So if Nakajima like wasn't going to like, he would already not be there. Like he would have just recently signed a new contract. So right, he's not right. going anywhere. Not yet. No. <laughs> Although I think people are getting a little over the top thinking that there's an exodus about to happen. Too. Yeah, I just don't see that happening. Now, I now, think that's a lot of wishful thinking going on. I think it's a lot. It's not impossible, to, but it, it, things would have to get even worse than they are now for that and to happen. Where do people go? Like, that's the thing. Yeah, like, okay, that's the yeah, thing. then they leave, but where do they go? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, or that they do the prominence thing. and just Yeah, well, but prominence thing. is aligned with cyber fight. So. Yep. Like the, the like Cyberfight is not gonna let like a bunch of people like walk out on Noah because they're unhappy with Noah and then also give them a bunch of money to start a new promotion. Right. Well no prominence is in or was in stardom briefly. Um, yeah. No, to be fair, yeah, but I mean they had shows on like Wrestle Universe and everything. Right, right. Um okay, so the next match after that was Hayata, Yoshinari Ogawa, Chris Wedgway, Seki Yoshioka and Yuya Susuma defeating Daisuke Harada, Atsushi Kotoge, Yohei, Hao and Junta Mia walking in 13 minutes and 19 seconds with a buzzsaw kick from Yoshioka against Yohei. And then, I guess, after the match, um, Stinger split. Uh, Ogawa and Ridgeway attacked the rest of them. Which is interesting because that means they finally kind of paid off the... They finally paid off the uh, kind of heat or kind of dissension between Ogawa and Hayata at the beginning of the year after... Yeah. Uh, their singles title match, uh, which kind of disappeared after that and then just kind of randomly resurfaced here. I mean, it was kind of random, but I do like Ogawa and Ridgeway splitting off from Stinger. Right. Because uh, I saw some people kind of throw around the idea of kind of having a faction with Kaito, Ogawa, Ridgeway, and Yano. Uh, I would probably like add someone like Inaba to that as well, and I think that actually could be like a really good faction. For Just sure. Like Ogawa, because Ogawa and Kaito have been like doing a lot of stuff together. Yeah. So a match was good. That makes sense. Like match was good. Nothing like like, you know, go out of your way to see, but like the kind of match you would expect from these two teams. And then Kaido Kiyomiya defeated Ninja Mac in nine minutes and forty nine seconds with a tiger suplex hold. Uh like I said before, the Ninja Mac signs of when I saw those, I'm like, oh man, this guy's gonna be a big deal. Uh this was really good. Little sloppy towards the end from Ninja Mac, but he Definitely, clearly got the crowd to gasp at a few moments, and 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 Kaido looked great as usual. And this is the kind of match that Mac is going to learn something from. Yeah, exactly. I, w- I would say check this out if you're jo- like, don't you don't have to watch this whole show, but I I check this, I check out this match for sure though. Yeah, no, uh, this was definitely one of the better like Ninja Mac singles matches <laughs> that I've seen. Uh, it wasn't as good as this match at Bloodspot because that was like a genuine like four star match to me. Uh, this one was really good too, and yeah, as I said, like this is. 
this is exactly the kind of match that Mac needs to ha- needs to get when he's in Japan. Like he needs to go in there with someone like Kaito, who can really like teach him how to like work a proper match structure. Uh, yeah, he still has a sloppiness in there, but again, like he like this was literally just his third match in Japan. Like I'm not gonna have like a super high standard for him uh, just yet, uh, but he's gonna learn because. Uh, I would assume that he's gonna like train in a dojo as well while he's over in Japan, and like he's gonna get there for sure. And then the match uh, semi-main event: Naomichi Marufuji, Satoshi Kojima, and Masato Tanaka defeated Goshi Ozaki, Daiki Inaba, and Yoshiki Inamura in 14 minutes and 16 seconds with a lariat from Kojima on Shiozaki. Again, another good six-man sprint, but this is all about building up to Kojima and. Sh- uh, Shiozaki. I would suspect we're going to see a few more matches like this before. Um, yeah, because there's still like a month to go. I think it's like June 12th or something, Cyber Fight Festival. So they're probably going to trade a few wins in six-man and eight-man tags between now and then. Yep, that's what I expect as well. Uh, made perfect sense as well to me that like Kojima was pinning Shiozaki. Like, I heard some people talk about maybe that they could have saved that to like build it up and then have him get, get the direct pin on Shiozaki like more later like towards the show itself but to me it also makes sense to just like right out of the gate just have kojima pin shiozaki and just really establish himself as a threat to shiozaki directly right and yeah as i said like they're probably gonna trade wins kind of over these like upcoming shows just in like six man tag matches um yeah was pretty strong like i said like noah has perfected the art of kind of the semi-main six man tag match and this was another one of those and then the main event for the GHC Tag Team title, Rene Dupree and Elhio Dr. Wagner Jr. defeated Takashi Sugira and Hideki Suzuki in 18, 30 minutes, 18 minutes and 32 seconds with a moonsault press uh, from Wagner on Sugera. Notice that Sugera, the senior, the mm-hmm. four-time GHC heavyweight champion who's won every title in the promotion, uh, did the job here. Okay, but counterpoint, the other person on his team is Hideki Suzuki, so he couldn't have taken the pin. <laughs> Yeah, um, this was like a fine three and a quarter match. Uh, there was, I mean, I will give Hideki and Sugera credit. They worked, I thought, pretty hard here to make something of it. Rene Dupree was like in a match a bit at the beginning, but like he was the guy on the outside in like the closing stretch. It was left to Wagner and Sugera, who did a decent enough job. Some of Wagner's forearm strikes look a little wonky but whatever he held his own for the most part and sort of obviously with Dupree on the outside like brawling with Hideki it was sort of to like accentuate like the strength of the team you don't have to go out of your way to see this though yeah no as I mentioned the team Wagner and Dupree did just okay they perfectly met that's kind of what this match was as well uh, definitely prefer kind of Sigiris and Hideki's kind of other tag title matches to this one but it also wasn't a bad match either. I was just kind of coming away from it. Being like, yep, this was a perfectly acceptable match and exactly what I expected this match to be, which I suspect is going to be every kind of Dupree and Wagner title match. Uh, I don't... Like, I, I don't... Would... I was going to say, it wouldn't shock me if they don't even get a successful defense and just drop it to um, Elgin and Kitamiya. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either because again like they never actually lost those titles because they won them after they won the tag league uh, and then they had to vacate them because of because they couldn't come back to the country because of corona 
Yeah. So it makes sense to like just put the titles back on them now, but not really give them a long reign. Like it's just actually have them lose the titles properly this time, and then just kind of have them be kind of a middle of the pack team, which is the perfect spot for them. Yeah, they are either getting uh, zero defenses or one defense, but nothing more than that. Yeah, no, and I do expect them to lose them. Like they're gonna like they're gonna lose them to Elgin and Kitamiya. Um, this show will be finished by the time uh, you listen to this. But on oh, the fifth, sure. the only matches of note I will say: Sucks versus Kenya Okada, uh, Manabu Soya versus Michael Elgin, and Satoshi Kojima versus Yoshiki Inamura. I will probably definitely watch Slex versus Okada and Kojima versus Inamura. Those I think are matches definitely up my alley. But the rest of the stuff's like multi-man tags and whatever. Um, and I'm just seeing just really quick before we go, Cyber Fight, yeah, June 12th, Shizaki versus Kojima and Keno versus Daisuke Sasaki. And um, I'm just looking. Oh, uh, Yokohama Radiant Hall, another in innovation. So on May 14th, Daisuke Harada versus Hio. Which should be really should be good. A ton of fun. I could actually see Hio getting the win there via count out because that's just the way he goes. Um, other matches of note on May 19th, Kaito Kiyomiya versus Simon Gotch. So Gotch is going to be around for a bit. Yeah, I'm curious about that one. Like, Because obviously be he good. matches up really well style-wise with Funaki, so I'm curious how he does with... I think he can uh, do it with Kiyomiya, Kiyomiya for sure. Yeah. And on that same show, Goshi Ozaki and Daiki and Abba versus Marufuji and Kojima. I could see Shiozaki pinning Kojima there. Yeah, and yeah, I, that, can, that's I can see that one go either way, but I mean, I could also see Inaba getting pinned. And um, everyone's favorite, Keiji Muto, returns on May 21st at Odo Ward City Gym. It seems like a big show to be running just like a couple weeks after. Because um, I don't think that's going to have a GHC title match. I don't know what that's going to draw. If that draws... 1200 would you consider it a success um yeah i would like i mean we don't well, really know I mean, that much about the card yet so well it's shiozaki kiyomiya and tanaka versus keiji muto marafuji and kojima um all japan drew like 1300 there for ishikawa versus um miyahara i can't believe i blanked on his name of all people um so i mean i would assume that a thousand people is going to be considered a success i think right yeah i mean it also for depends Mino. what they kind of put on there as well like i could actually see them for example put uh put a tag title match on there and maybe get like a junior title match as well national title yeah maybe yeah. we'll stack yeah it. national title i think definitely we could see a defense there yeah so that's it for uh noah uh i don't know i mean i'm i really enjoy these two shows but there's just too much going on for me to like being like everything is fine meme no no definitely not everything is fine in noah i think the doom saying about noah is getting a bit out of control as well though because it's like i have a feeling that some people think the promotion is like about to go out of business and that's well no definitely not not. the case well there's definitely yeah nosawa could run it into the ground with his booking of his friends that (laughs) cyber fight decides to cut bait but i that's still a couple years away i think and again like the like the drawing like it's i don't think that they're really where cyber fight wants them to be but it's no, also not. not like they're not they're not like bottoming out either like again like the two well, yeah, Super I mean, Holders, the... they they drew within expectations it's just that obviously cyber fight wants no noah to be like the flagship 
promotion and they're still right. getting outdrawn by DDT. So in some contexts, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it's the same thing like with All Japan. I think, uh, yeah, things are not what they were, but there's the pandemic. But some of the doomsaying on some of the attendances, especially for their bigger shows, is not quite what some people are claiming they are. But I think that's like a, you know, I mean, pandemic numbers are hard, but you can see trends, especially in NOAA. Yeah, I mean, long long term for NOAA is obviously like another question on what's going to happen there, but... Well, it's the, just the, so hard to predict right now. The Budokan number in July will tell us a lot, I think. Yeah. Like, and I do I expect th- Cyber Fight Festival to draw, but I also feel like Cyber Fight Festival draws because they actually, with the first one, they managed to establish that one as, like, a proper yeah. big show. So I think it's going to do f- well just based off the fact that it's a Cyber Fight Festival. And we'll see how big a draw RVD is. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, RVD right. in 2022. It's Jesus not going to be pretty. I mean, he's he's the only wrestler worse on Noah right now than RVD would be Mudo, I think. Caution. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, well, but that just goes to show, right? I mean, I mean, RVD can still do like the Rolling Thunder or whatever. Um, hopefully but, because well i yeah. last time la who knows right but it's that's been two years right his last run in impact was two years ago yeah um but now mind you he hasn't been wrestling much or ha- yeah he's been wrestling on indies i think yeah he's I been think. wrestling he's been wrestling on like low level indies let me actually just quickly take a look at that it's oh, it, cage match why don't you put on yeah well i mean Rob Van Damme, so what has he done since he left impact uh, so yeah, so like he since twelve since uh, the since September twenty second, twenty twenty, which was his last match in Impact, where he defeated Sammy Callahan <laughs> <laughs> on TV. He hasn't had a match in Impact since then, so he has one, two, three, four, five matches since then. Mm. Uh, yeah, the biggest spot probably him working OTT against beating Scotty Davis, and then otherwise. Yeah, nothing really of note. He did well, wrestle... He w- him and Bully Ray wrestled the Hardy family office. Oh, God. In the ECW arena. Jesus. Still doing that, eh? Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, well, Paul, I don't think you have any more thoughts on Noah, do you? No, I think I'm got it. I think we've got everything covered on there. Okay, well, for uh, Paul Vosch, I'm Gerard DiTrolio, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>